ready? So welcome back to the Diaries of the Wild Ones. I want to give a really big thank you to Wild Earth Australia because I'm just so stoked to be a part of their team. Through them, I get to meet the most amazing adventurers because as a company, they are really supporting people that are just getting out there and giving life a really good crack. They're just such a good company that truly believes in the adventurous lifestyle. So a big thank you to them. Now, if you need any gear for your next adventure, running, hiking, camping, climbing, survival, you name it, there you have it. So go to the website wildearth.com.au and put in the 10% discount code Diaries of the Wild Ones, all one word, capital letters. Free shipping Australia wide. They even ship internationally. Now, this episode is one of the best I've ever done. This episode is so scary, so wild, so on the edge of your seat. But to really do this episode justice, I really need to explain it and get you guys to picture in your head before we start talking about what we're talking about. Now, this guy you're about to meet, Shane Ackerman, is literally living so far on the edge that it's so scary. He's a big wave bodyboarder charger that is underground and purely does it for the love of it. And he's pushing so many limits. Now, I think what what you need to do to really understand this, this episode, is go onto my Instagram, Aaron underscore Shanks, and look at the promo video that I did for this, for this interview. Or just go onto Google and Google Shane Ackerman, and you're going to see a lot of headlines come up, as in like, guy dies at the, bodyboarder dies at the right, or like, greatest hellman charger. He is arguably one of the wildest big wave chargers in the world. Um... Some don't, a lot of people don't agree with what he does because he lives so far on the edge. He doesn't use flotation devices. He tries to paddle. A lot of people say like, it's just, he's just going to kill himself. Now, because of this and being his friend, and I've become really close with this guy since his podcast. And it's, and I've got to say, it's an emotional roller coaster because he inspires you so much and you want to support him and encourage him to chase his, his own personal endeavor. But at the same time, having an emotional attachment to him, as in like being his friend, it is so scary to watch because it's so scary like to think that I, I might lose, that we might lose him one day. And it's, it's something that like it's his own personal thing and he's got his own drive. So it's all up to him. But it's, it's, it's so freaking scary. It's so scary watching what he does. Now, now imagine this. Imagine you're at the, the scariest wave in the world, the most dangerous wave in the world, right, which is the right in Western Australia. Imagine a four-story building, like an apartment block filled with water coming at you. Imagine you're lying down on your stomach on the ground and watching a four-story, four five-story, six-story building of water coming at you and suck up because it's about to hit a shallow reef and you're right there in that impact zone now picture you don't have a jet ski putting you in the right position now picture 
you're not wearing any flotation device and you're right under it and you're deciding to to try go for it now the thing which's so scary about this with Shane is when he this story that he first talks about about surfing the ride in western australia he's got like when he sits in the zone that he sits in he's got like a 5% chance of actually being able to make a wave but he's out there just trying to see what's actually possible and it's so freaking scary to watch like imagine this five story building sucks up and hits this shallow reef all this water suddenly moving across this shallow reef and then hitting a drop off where all that water that's come in so fast across that shallow reef is suddenly diving now underwater it's creating an underwater waterfall so when Shane takes off on these things and doesn't make it he's suddenly being shot straight underwater 15 20 meters deep there's so much power washing around that it's like trying to pull his limbs from his body. He's trying to stay so calm and at the same time get his hand to his nose. So as he gets pushed deep, he can equalize. Otherwise, he's going to blow his eardrum straight out. He's sitting underwater trying to be calm, getting thrown around like a ragdoll where there's caves that he could get stuck in. There's rock ledges that he could get thrown up against. There's other waves coming that are also going to hold him down. There's jet skis won't be able to get in straight away because of all the foam on on top of the water. It's too oxygenated for a jet ski to get in there. And he's sitting underwater in that darkness, in that depth, being quiet, being still, and praying that he won't black out before he gets to the surface. Or that when he does black out, someone's going to have his back and can get to him in time to resuscitate him. He is living so far on the edge that like, it's going to be hard to understand why anyone would ever do something like this. And I think that's why this podcast is so interesting. He is someone that does it most of these big wave guys and, and not to take away from anyone, but you know, like there's a, there's a lot of glory around it, you know, like to get that shot, to get that photo, to really push the limit and to get glorified for it. And, and Shane, he's not about that. He's, he's rocking up first thing in the morning by himself and paddling out and doing it by himself before the other crew get there just to do it purely for himself. And I don't, I don't expect anyone to, to understand why he does what he does because that's his own personal thing. Some might see it really reckless. Some might see it really inspiring and powerful. All I know is, is that this is a great dude with balls of freaking steel and he's really, he's really going for it. It's literally his life on the line every time he does this stuff and it is so scary to watch. Whether if you're a surfer or not a surfer, doesn't matter. This podcast is going to relate to you. This podcast is going to scare the fuck out of you. And this podcast is hopefully going to inspire you. Yeah, I think, I think I've said enough. Just enjoy this one and try picturing it in your head when we're talking about it to really understand it. Okay, enjoy. Gary, he's back. <laughs> Gary is back. All right, it's my turn. It's down a little bit because we're right here. All right, Shane Ackerman. 
Six months in the making Boring. to get. Boring. <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> Been waiting a week to do that, haven't you, Benny? All right, Shane Ackerman. It's taken me six months, I think, to get you to get you on mic. Yeah, hard band to get a hold of. Yeah, and actually, easily the most requested person to come on Diaries of the Wild Ones. But there's one story. Because the last few days you've been staying at mine and you've been telling me all these fucking next level stories into the mind of Shane Ackerman. So I've kind of learning who you are and I just I just don't get it for sure. I, just, <laughs> I don't know if anyone gets it. But there's one, there's one thing that happened where the internet lit up with your name and the headlines were Shane Ackerman is dead. <laughs> And I know there's a whole backstory there, and I, and I th- what I do know from that backstory is that it opens up a whole heap of other questions that I want to that I want to ask you in that. But it, if you if you haven't told that story too much, have you told that story much at all? Not really. Like I've voiced it on social media once, and that's about the extent to it. Yeah. Would you be happy to talk about it? Yeah. Run us through what happened that day, the the day Shane Ackerman supposedly died. <laughs> it's been multiple. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I, if, yeah, all you have to do is look at your Instagram and you wonder, how is this guy alive? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd had the ride on my hit list for oh, a fair while at this stage. And so this is the ride in WA, the wave. Yeah, the ride in WA. There was a swell going for South Oz the same time. It was the same swell. And I said to myself, I said, if I don't chase this swell to the right, I'll never surf it. I was just like the mental game that I had playing with it. It was just like, I won't be able to surf it if I don't chase it on this swell. So it was just, it was literally a wave that you wanted to tick off your bucket list. Yeah. It was like, I felt like I'd ticked everything off. I'd done chopes. I'd done shippies. Um... Yeah, I, I ticked off all the big waves that I was, you know, had high on the list and that was the last one. But it was also what I feel personally is like the next step. Like everything I ticked off the list was big, but this was like so much bigger. And um, yeah, like I said, that swell blob popped up and it was just like, I had a few guys hitting us up like, let's go to South Oz and it was just like... So what, are, are you... Sitting at home, are you just constantly tracking swells like around the world or around Australia? And what are you looking for when you're doing that? Like, are you just looking for just big numbers? Yeah, pretty much. So, like, I'll on any given day, I'll wake up and I'll just the places I want to surf, I'll just check the charts for there constantly, like every day or every second day, and just yeah, wait for that low to form and pop up. And if the right numbers show, then it's time to get ready. So for the right in WA, what are you looking for? Like, are you looking... Like, because you're not a guy that surfs small waves. Like, you're always looking for just huge things. Like, what numbers are you looking for to get that wave? Uh, I think it's four, four and a half metres minimum for that place to even, like, start. Yeah, shit. So it's pretty... So you're, you're just in there waiting. You're like, okay, when I see this, I'm going to hit it. Yeah, it's and it was that that to me, it was a weird, the dynamic of it all is quite strange because most of the swells, as I was younger, it was, um, I'd have rough night's sleep, I'd be quite anxious, you know, running through worst case scenarios and stuff like that. And I guess the more I chase swells, I'd, um, I'd become numb to it, so to speak. And, you know, I'd just 
less less emotion towards it, less thinking, less thought process. Ignorance is bliss, so they say. But this one, the thought of booking the flight and going there, I knew it was just that next level. So it was just like it kind of brought everything back to my earlier days where I was just like, oh, man, like I'm, I'm way out of my depth for this. And um, I ended up booking the flights. And it's funny because I've never shown mum when I travel, I've never shown her anywhere and I never tell her anything. And this was the one time I was just like, oh, like I'm going to go surf this wave and showed her a clip on YouTube. And funnily enough, it was just a wipeout compilation of the right. And and then I get this text from mum as I'm boarding the plane, like, be careful, Um, love you. And I was just like, I looked at it. And kind of just put my phone down and just didn't think too much of it. I was like, yeah, sure. How, how be do right. you, how does your mum feel knowing what you do? Um, I think because I've kind of kept her in the dark in the sense that when I chase a swell, I don't tell anyone. I try to fly under the radar as much as possible, including those close to me. Yeah. Because um, I don't like the input of other people. Like, yeah, getting in your head. Yeah. I, I had the same. It's like because they make you question yourself. You're there. You need, yeah, you're there with your own like belief in yourself and you don't need anyone questioning that. Yeah, exactly. So I try to keep everyone out and just go off my own judgment. And I don't know, I don't know why. I, yeah, I still don't know why I told mum. And yeah, when push comes to shove, I got that message, thought nothing of it. And it was weird because, like I said, the build up to that swell, I was quite anxious, like crazy thoughts going through my head, like worst case scenario and stuff. Booked the flight, got on the plane, flew over there and stuff, and even getting there, and um, it's like the the switch flicked, and I was just like completely calm. I had the best night's sleep the night before, and usually like I'd be tossing and turning and just like so freaking. Where do you stay? So I've got a couple of questions here. Like what? Okay, for one, because you don't have a major sponsor, and I find that just such a weird tripped out thing. But I also can relate so much because you're just someone doing something that you love. But do you have a job that allows you just to take off when you need to? Yeah, so I'm I'm lucky in the sense that um, when I left high school, I got on a traineeship in the mines um, doing crane operating and rigging and stuff like that, which got me all my tickets. And I was there for two and a half years, um, like absolutely miserable. It was the worst time of my life. And um, kind of, I feel like because I was in such a shit place in the mines, that brought my big wave surfing up another level because when I'd go to chase them I didn't care what happened because I didn't want to go back to this place that I worked at so it was almost like it it led me down a dark rabbit hole so to speak and then would you say like you had depression at that oh time? yeah like definitely definitely man I'll say because I've worked in the mines you know and I've yeah, worked and in construction and when when we go remote and everything it's it's it is a dark place for a lot of blokes. You know, they're away from their loved ones, their family. It's so easy for them to get in this rabbit hole. Yeah, it's it's a miserable place, and and my escape was surfing. And yeah, like I said, that's where I started pushing myself harder because it was just like, oh well, I don't care if I don't turn up to work on Monday. Like it's like it's cool by me. And um, yeah. I Do, think that's were you what... ever in a oh, sorry man? Were you ever in a way? where you like were actually trying to like make a name for yourself so you didn't say as in you can make a career out of bodyboarding so you didn't have to go back to work? I knew it was never a career path. I, I know the money's not in it. And to be honest, I just did it because that, that was my escape from the demons. 
Fuck, dude. Yeah, yeah. so it kind of, I guess the way I look at it now, looking back on it, is it helped me fight that fear barrier because I didn't care. Whereas, like, for people that yeah. don't have it, you know, you've got that fear tolerance and you're trying to you're trying to fight that whereas i didn't have that because i didn't want to be here so it was just like you push past it was just like oh well like whatever happens like she'll be right shit yeah um but then like just being humbled by nature um like kind of brought me back down to earth and like that's where i got the stoke from it and yeah as time got on i was i got a reputation for just being the guy that goes out and gets flogged so in a way who you are now, right? It's like you had to go through that period to be able to become who you are now because you were put in a dark place which allowed you to break this fear barrier and then you were humbled but the fear barrier was broken down. You became comfortable in doing this completely psycho thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Wow. Yeah, weird dynamic so does, that's never been voiced before. But does yeah, that mean Shane Ackerman fears? Because uh, I, I put a thing up on social media asking what to ask, what to ask you, and the biggest thing is, do you fear, and what do you fear if you do? That many people sent me that to, like this afternoon. The funniest reply I'll have to that is, um, "I'm scared of heights." <laughs> really? Yeah. What if when you take it off on a twenty-foot wave, man? That's 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 high. <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> Doesn't make sense. I I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. So you actually get a fear from that. Yeah, like in my trade, so to speak, like rigging and crane operating, if there's man box work, like I'm not going up in the man box, like they can have it. Like I just yeah. Isn't that weird? It's Well, you real saw weird. me yesterday freaking out trying to grab a crane. <laughs> You know what I mean? Tim and Terry. Yeah. Getting used to that is so... That, I find it really weird with, like, people in this world. Like I was saying, like, Andrew Mooney. Like, the stuff I see him do, just like the stuff I see you do, you know? It's just like, wow, they're, like, just twisted. They're, they've got a screw loose to be able to do that stuff. Yet they're just normal blokes. That's what they've be, become comfortable with. Yet mm. they're, you know, they're scared of other things. Like, M Andrew Mooney thinks I'm crazy, and I think he's the craziest guy I know. Yeah. Well, until I met you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you blew him out of the water. Sorry, Mooney. It was fucking... So, yeah, okay, run us through this swell. So, so yeah, you're like fearing I, it. Yeah, I, well, until I booked the flights, it was almost like I booked the flights and the fear just went away. It was just like, well, you know, here's my fate type of thing. But no, I wasn't even... I wasn't in... I was in a way better place when this swell come through anyway. And, um, yeah, so we rocked up and in the morning and you know you're going through the motions getting everything ready and that and i'd told myself i was just like i don't have to surf it today i'm here and i have the intentions to paddle it but i don't have to do it like everyone that i know that surfed it and or paddled it i'm pretty sure they've towed it as well so they've had a taste for it or they like you know they've watched it enough times that they know how the wave works and I, to be honest, I just went in completely blind. I had no idea, never been out there and just... So you've kind there. of put yourself in check into your ego, as in like, like if it's too wild, don't do it. Like you're like, don't do it, Shane. Yeah. Do what you're comfortable with. Yeah. I do that on the mountains. It's such a smart thing to do. Yeah. I do it on the mountains all the time. It's like, don't, no, like let nature rule, rule you. That yeah. is what humbles you. But it was the only time I've ever 
like had that thought where I've been like, don't really. Yeah. It's the only time I've ever been like, you don't have to do it. Every other time I'll see a swell and I turn up, it's just like, I, I don't even have that thought. It's just like, I'm going out. So it was, it was the dynamic of that whole swell and what happened was just like, it was real weird. That's so weird. To, it's like, in a way, it's like your intuition is picking up on something, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And when you say like people tow, like what was it in your mind that you're going to just paddle it? Like for, for people that don't know about towing surfing, it's like huge waves need a bit of assistance or like we think they need a bit of assistance to, to get into them. So most people like use a jet ski to like whip in to these waves to get themselves in the position with speed and they're already at their feet and, and to not take anything away from those guys, it's completely insane what they do. But then there's this next level to that where there's a guy like yourself who will just paddle out there with nothing, with no backup and, put themselves in a position under the wave where they have to paddle to get into it, where there is no mechanical assistance, a jet ski to just put them in the position. So it's like, what is in your mind? Like when you, when you're going to a place like the right, it's seeing a swell like you have where guys aren't paddling it. What is it for you? That's like, you know what? I'm just going to paddle this. Is that, is that just in your head? Like, is it, do you reckon it's just like, you're trying to break barriers or for you, it's just like, you're, you're just not into it. It's just like, I want to paddle and see what I can do. Well, I've had the odd time where I've been whipped into waves and to be fair, like I've come out of them and people have been in the channel just like, Oh my God, that was incredible. And I've come out just like, that was so shit. So like to me, unless I paddle it and I feel the power and I know, and I feel like you have a better sense of how big it is because you're not at the bottom of the wave you know when you're towing you're at the bottom of the wave before it's formed yeah so you you don't really know how big it is um whereas paddling like you see the lump you got to position yourself like a lot more has to come together to be able to get to the bottom especially of a big wave like the right and how fast it moves over the reef is like footage does no justice to that place whatsoever have you studied the wave of like how its sections or like how it hits the reef like how the wipeouts happen have you, have, are you studying these things when you're watching or are you just like no i'm just gonna go and just check it out and just do it when i was younger i'd watch a lot of like if i wanted to surf somewhere i'd try and analyze it and get an understanding but the right was one place that i just refused to learn for the pure fact that of all the stories they're horror stories and i feel like the more i knew the more i didn't want to go there so it's a wave that's just it's just notorious for just ripping people apart it's notorious for ripping people apart two wave hold downs and everyone says it that surfs it they're just like one day someone will die it's like it's inevitable really like that's what we've all come to the conclusion that it will happen one day who it's going to be and how it's going to happen you know no one knows but there's the just the risk there compared to any other wave I've ever surfed is just yeah why is it so risky do you think with how fast it moves and the amount of water that runs over that reef there's nowhere else in the world that compares to it do you do you hit the bottom is it a reef that you hit that the people hit when they get slammed or is it more just a, a hold down and then flick down the channel so it's like you see the bottom, like when I was paddling it, you can see the bottom clear as day. I'd guess it's probably only six metres deep, like roughly, for like four to six metres. 
Um, but with the amount of water that runs over the reef, it um, when you wipe out, you actually get it's like an underwater waterfall, and all that weight pushes you just down. Like you go down so deep, so quick that you end up. But most people burst their eardrums and stuff like that. And once you've done that, your equilibrium's out, and you don't know which way's up. So if you don't have a flotation device. Like the bodyboard, like that's strapped to your arm? Yeah, or anything, even flotation, like, you know, foam padding, a pool vest. Do you, do you wear foam padding or a pool vest? I've only ever wore it once, and it was the swell after this swell we're talking about. Yeah, because, okay, so most people that are surfing at this level with these, these monster waves are using pool vests. Every one. Yeah, and they're using pads. How come you don't? Because if your if your arm rope like if your leg rope your arm rope snaps on that on that bodyboard, which is highly likely, yeah. Um, I guess I just I have a fear that the padding will feel uncomfortable and restrict me from trying to paddle. Yeah, and then if I want to duck dive because I'm in such a in the zone I have to sit in, it, you're so close to the, being under the ledge and like getting out scot free type of thing like getting over them, a flotation device, if I have to duck dive even just the, the slightest bit of the lip, you're getting sucked over. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to translate that for the non-surface. So basically you're saying that because you're not towing in with jet skis and getting put in early into the waves and standing, you're paddling them. So you've got to be under when those swell lines come in, those waves come in to hit the reef, you've got to be right under, pretty much just straight under the impact zone or just straight before the impact zone of that wave so you can catch it. So you're saying like if one comes like a bit bigger, comes in front of you and you need to try to get under it and get under it quick or get out of the way or anything, you've got these floaties on, it's it's going to make it heaps harder. So it's actually going to put you in more danger. Fuck, man, that is, that is so intense Yeah, because it's like guys use this so they can surf these waves like this so they can save their life. You're not only going to the next level of paddling, it's like... To do that, you also got to, you've got to cut safety devices. You've got to cut the flotation devices that are going to save your life. So it's like adding so much more, because like, there's so much more risk just paddling. And then that, holy freaking shit. Yeah. Like, and there's only a handful of people that have actually um, <clears throat> paddled the right as it is. And like I said, I've, I'm pretty sure they've all been towed or... I think that most of them are all from West Oz, so, you know, they've grown up, they know all the stories and all the backstories, whereas I kind of refused to listen to them because I knew it would get in my head and then it'd be the psychological barrier of not wanting to go there because of the, you know, the fear creeps in. But, um, yeah, like I said, I turned up this day and we we were watching it and I was just like, I was blown away by how fast it moves over the reef, like... Like I said, and every, how big are we talking when you're looking at it? I didn't know because there was no one out. Like we oh. turned up and there was no one out. And then um, Tim Benithan looks at me and he's like, are you getting out there, Shane? And I was just like, we'd turned up and I'd seen one wave break. And I was like, I don't even know how big that is. Like, I have no idea. Like, So I waited a bit and then um, a guy I met, Tom Tom Ford, um, Corgi, that his nickname is, he jumped out. After turning up, we weren't there for that long at all. He jumped out and I was just like, oh, if he's going out to paddle it, then I'm going to join him. And we had a session in the morning and got 
oh, like 10 to 15 waves and I don't even know if I made a wave. I think I just got lit up every time. How big was it? Mm, it was big, but not as big as what it was about to become. So what's big? What is big to you? Is this 10 foot? Yeah. 8 foot? 15? It kind of doesn't break unless it's 10 foot plus. So this is 10 foot and for the non-surfers, that's a 10 foot, what is it, a two-story building coming at you? Yeah, roughly about that. Yeah. So we'd caught a few, what we would describe as a Warwick capper, <laughs> and um, had a bit of a laugh. Then the high tide kicked about midday and a lot of people went in um, for lunch or whatever and we all just sat out on the ski and it, it got quite full and it pretty much looked like it was game over and that was the talk of the town type. Everyone was just like, oh, all the swell's fizzling. And then about one one thirty, I think from memory, I don't know why those numbers come up, just like lump after lump started coming and they were bigger than anything that had hit that morning and it was just like pristine conditions, like light, like five to ten knots offshore, like sunny day, like, as groomed a swell as you'll ever see anywhere <clears throat> and what some people say is the best day that was ever at the right and um yeah the swell kept building and <clears throat> we went back out again and we got a few more when you said earlier like you didn't make <clears throat> any so you're you're copying beat downs from 10 foot plus waves what yeah. was that like at the right it was intense hey like more often than not, I was coming up seeing stars and, like, I was just like, wow, like, this is so fun but so, like, crook. Like, are you training for this shit? Like, are you training for this stuff? Like, I know, like, we've been diving and spearing the last few days, but that's, like, you're relaxed and we're holding our breath and going underwater. But this is, like, you're getting pole-driven by a freaking extremely powerful Tons lump of water. Of water. Yeah. Um, at that time... I've stopped now, but I did for a period of time. I did a sport called underwater hockey. And I feel like that helped massively with your breath holds because it's, it's such an intense, fast-moving game that it's kind of like a wipeout in a sense. Or your like, heart rate's going <clears throat> while you're underwater. Exactly, and you're holding your breath. and so you're, you're burning your oxygen. And you're fighting against other players that are trying to take the puck off you, which is somewhat violent. It's Obviously, you'll never be able to... Um, replicate an actual wipeout but it's the closest thing you can do into a pool that would do it and um yeah so that's if you call that training then that's that was the only training i was doing outside of just spear fishing so when you caught one wipeout like that at the ride and you come up seeing stars what is it in you that takes you out to get another one i uh, just dust it off and go back out and have another go try again <laughs> it's just that pure determination just like yeah i just want it i just yeah like once i got a taste for it and it happens everywhere i guess once i get a taste or get an idea of how the wave breaks and stuff like that it's like then i'll kind of assess how big it is and what waves that are coming through and then i'll start to look at what i feel is achievable for paddling and then i basically keep going until i can't or i get the wave that i feel is paddleable and not uh, yeah what eyes on the prize type thing yeah and um yeah so we yeah the high tide had passed and then we went back out <clears throat> and started getting a few funnily enough i actually lost my flipper on one had spares um put it on and went back out and in the meantime this guy 
Connor Jackson and his mate, I can't remember his mate's name, they went and checked a wave across the bay. And on their way back, they found a flipper in the middle of the bay, like half an hour later, and it happened to be mine that I'd lost like a few waves prior. And it was just like, what are the chances of that? And um, yeah, so this, we'd surfed it again, Tom and I, and um, we'd got a few waves and then what happened there? And then Tommy went in and he got his fish eye out and went and shot fish eye out there. Like this guy's a low key hell man for sure. So these guys paddling? Yeah, Tommy was. It was just Tommy and I. And then funnily enough, actually, and I'm so glad it happened when it went flat Grommies paddled out they slept on the headland that night and paddled out from the beach so a couple of young kids yeah like 16 17 like real young there was about five of them from memory and they went out and got a few like that barely broke like they stood tall had enough power to kind of like make whitewash so you could catch a wave and then get to the channel and i think they got too cold and the swell wasn't really doing it at high tide, so they paddled back in or they got a lift back in off the skis and that. And I'm so glad that happened because not long after they went in, that's where the swell started getting bigger and that's where stuff started to go south. So that's so when we're talking big, what we're we talking 15, 20 footers, like yeah. monsters, like huge, like as big as Australia seas, as yeah. waves, like walls of thick water. Yeah, like you can't fathom how much water's behind a wave at the right until you're seeing it in in flesh. And even still, like you can't wrap your head around it. Like it's it's unbelievable. It's like the seventh wonder of the world. Shit. Yeah. And then um, so they've gone in. Tom and I have paddled back out and got a few. And then he's come in, got his camera and started to shoot a bit of fish eye out there. Um, and... You know, shooting fisheye, as most people would know, like you've got to be in the zone. So for him to even be swimming in that zone is probably just as crazy as trying to paddle it. So so he's, when you say he's fisheye, he's gone to swim out as a cameraman yep. to take footage of you. No, so just to take footage of the swell. Of just the swell. So he's just so like whoever. in the channel, like swimming with a camera yep. to try and take photos of it. Yeah. yeah. Right. And he nailed some like cracking shots. And then... We come in, I think I got flogged a few more times. I definitely got flogged a few more times. <laughs> come in and um, kind of recouped, had a bit of a break. And then like <laughs> out of nowhere, the light just went amazing. And like there were like consistent like 15 foot plus, probably 18 foot type waves coming through just like back to back to back. And then like the word in the lineup and in the skis and that was just like, oh, it's not paddleable now, like can't do it and just like i kept hearing it and i kept hearing it it's just like if i hear it one more time like i'm just gonna go out there and see if i can do it like if if i ever hear people say you can't do it in my mind i am always like i'll always look at a way that you can do it yeah whether it looks like you can or not it's just i feel like if you have the can do attitude and you go out there in the right frame of mind and you know you got to be smart about it you know, well, you can the thing anything. is, you've proven it. Like maybe not in this session or whatever, what we're about to find out. But the things that you've been able to to do and paddle into, you've pushed those barriers. Like you're a res- like you're a result of exactly what you just said. Yeah, well, that's 
Yeah, I, I guess that's why I get so much joy out of paddling the waves is because when when you do paddle that wave that everyone's told you you can't, it's like there's no better feeling. It's yeah. bittersweet. And, um, yeah, so I was driving Connor Jackson, a photographer over there at the time. Um, and, yeah, like I said, they, everyone kept saying, like, you can't paddle it, you can't paddle it. And I just... I moved my board from under his leg and he's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm going to go, go get it kind of thing. And just jumped off, jumped off the ski and paddled out. And a few people were just like hooting and hollering as I was paddling out to the lineup. And I got there and paddled like, oh, I got a couple more waves. So, so you met, like you paddled into a couple of these huge ones. Nah, they weren't massive. They were probably like the, the smallest things that were coming through at the time, but the sets were like. Proper. Were you scared? Nah, not really. It was you're like it, throughout the day, you just became comfortable with it. Yeah, wave, yeah, because yeah, I'd been out there for so long, and I guess I'd copped everything. And then, but I hadn't been out there when those sets were coming, and there was a it was a different lineup then. There was so much moving on the reef, like the position to get into a wave and get in a safe zone was borderline not doable just because of the, the current like just the water just moving the size, around the oh. size so like if you're trying to paddle a 10 footer and a 20 footer comes behind it <gasps> like yeah. you can't I hate that feeling you paddle for and you turn around there's a monster behind you yeah not, well i don't know the feeling of the 20 footer behind me <laughs> i didn't know until this well either <laughs> like most most other waves like they're consistently breaking on the same same ledge and you don't have to move that f- far in and out but with the right like the size difference it can be a 12 footer breaking or a 25 footer like yeah. take your pick which is the, like that's the hard the hard thing about paddling it i guess is because the waves that come through are just like you don't really get them anywhere else and um so yeah i'd caught a few more and then i looked at the skis at this one wave and just no one was going and this was like I said earlier, like this is the part where I was like, I feel like I can paddle this wave. So I've like probably moved like three plus meters inside of where you would even fathom like putting yourself because I knew how big this wave, or I didn't know how big it was, but I knew by far it would have been hands down the biggest wave I've ever caught, like by a country mile. And I'd paddled and paddled and, and that's, paddled. that's big if... If you look up any footage of Shane Ackerman, all you have to do is put in Shane Ackerman, you'll see him riding the biggest waves on the planet by far. And so for you to say one of the biggest waves, I can't even fathom it. This stuff when you tell me these stories until I see the photo, it's just it blows me out every time. You had me screaming the other night. You showed <laughs> me that, that footage of you and I was screaming and now you're telling me this thing's bigger. Oh, I like it dwarf that thing. Oh my god! Okay, okay, okay. So, so like, yeah, I've I've pushed so far in the reef because I knew how like, and I could also see it like already drawing off the reef, and I was just head down, bum up, and I was I was like, oh, I'm gonna have one look behind me and just pray that the skis can see what I'm doing, and um, obviously they picked up that this lump was looking a lot better than probably what they were thinking. I don't know. I don't know what happened out the back. And they started towing and just my heart sunk. Like, so they're towing a surfer or a bodyboarder into it? They were only surfers. So yeah. Tom and I were the only boogers there that day. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, so my heart just sunk. I was just like, I know I'm in a shit spot and I know there's going to be a bigger one behind this. <gasps> so it was like I had to get that wave to kind of be in a safe spot and yeah. I've watched the footage. Because you've come inside. So, so if that wave, even if you turn around, don't go, you're already so far inside, the next one's going to land on your head. Oh, I, oh, I hate like, that feeling. Yeah, and I didn't know. That's the it, for me, that's the scariest when the surf's big. That is that is the scariest spot to be. Yeah, that is it because you're scrapping, you're scrapping using all your energy, no matter what, to get out past that wave. If you miss that first one, you're caught so much on the inside. Your lactic acid build up too. Yeah, and you cop all that. If you don't make it, you cop all that power on the head, and you've just burned all your energy. Yeah, it's such a scary place to be. Yeah, so. I've obviously had to turn around and try and make that like three plus meters that I've just paddled inside. And as I've tried to cover that ground, I've had to stop because the ski's like coming straight towards me. So you've seen it. So you started paddling and you've seen the ski coming. Oh, that's why I had to bail out of there because I, t- like, <laughs> like I said to myself, I'm going to turn around and if they're not towing it, like I'm head down, bum up, and like I'm grabbing the bull by the horns and just going like whatever happens like we'll take it as it comes and yeah like i said i seen the ski start towing and just like instant heart sunk and was just like i don't know what's going to happen now like it's going to be gnarly but we'll just like it just was like oh well you've been here before like let's just roll through the motions and take it as it comes and so i've turned around tried to cover the ground <clears throat> and the ski's heading straight towards me to the point that I've actually had to stop paddling. Oh, no. Stop dead in my tracks. I had to duck dive the ski. I bailed my board. Do you reckon they've seen you? Has the ski seen you? Yeah, I made eye contact with... Um, so, he's come... Has he freaked out? I think he was... I think his name... Henry, I'm good mates with him. He... I think he looked at me like, oh, no, like, this is... Like, yeah, yeah. this is going to be close. So, yeah. So, it, 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 you've got a jet ski coming at you that's got a tow rope with a surfer or is the guy doing a step off? No, nah, it's a tow, he, tow he rope. A tow rope. It'd be hard to step off and something like that, are you? I don't think Impossible, yeah. yeah. To t- so, he's got a guy. So, you've got a jet ski coming at you with a rope behind it with a surfer, what, 10 metres behind the jet ski. So, you're yeah. either going to get hit by a the jet ski. ski or a guy on a heavy fiberglass surfboard. Yeah, so I've had to duck dive the ski and I've felt every bit of it go over my head and I could even feel the tow rope once let go, like zipping across. And um, then I've come back up, popped back up, and that's the photo that everyone has seen. What's the photo? Fuck, it's... Oh, my phone's on airplane. You've got me shaking because I know how crazy this is. (gasps) There's that buzz. Is it the reception coming through the phone? Maybe. Maybe. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, we'll look at the photo later. So, there's a photo. What does the photo entail? Because I'm going to put it up on the website. It shows me basically freestyling, not on a board. So, this is where I've duck dive. I've come up. My board's still attached and I tried to ditch it. And it got to my elbow and got caught on my elbow and I had no time to try and fiddle around and pull it down further. I just had to start moving out. Why did you try to ditch it? So I could dive as deep as I could under it and hopefully get under it. Cause under I, the wave? Yeah, because I knew I could oh not duck dive. So you're going to, you, yeah, you're going to get rid of your only flotation device. 
Yeah. So I've paddled and it was just dead weight. Like I'm paddling and it's caught on my elbow and I'm not going anywhere. And I kind of like, I try and duck dive, like swim under the, like the very top of it. And I, like as soon as I went under, like trying to push down, I could just feel myself like becoming the wave and the wave didn't even bow. Like it become so mutated and I just got sucked straight over, pushed down and I remember being so violent for a few seconds to so calm. When when you mean violent, is it like literally the forces, like your limbs just being like ripped off you? Like what? Yeah. What? Just take me through that impact, if you don't mind. Rather, like when it first hits you, what was it like? Do you know? Like oh, it's like in, I don't even know how you describe it. Like some pretty much, yeah, or just like gets. Get a few people to tie ropes to every part of your limb and just drive it in opposite directions. Like you're just getting torn apart. And if you try and tense up, it makes it worse. So you've kind of got to just like flow with it, but at the same time, not. It's like. Are you are you, are you getting worried like with something like this? Like, because that could break your back, they could oh, rip your and people, arms out of your sockets. Like, yeah, people have done knees and stuff from wipeouts out there like that. Like heaps of, yeah, you name it, it's happened out there. And um, I just kind of try and flow with it um, and let it do what it wants to do. And then, yeah, I got pushed so deep, I actually opened my eyes and I was in just crystal clear like water. And I looked up and I could just see like chaos absolute chaos above me like the turbulence and that so it pushed me straight down through like it it held me in it and then kind of spat me out and instead of spitting me up and for air it just spat me down deeper and then and then this is where i this is where the story kind of isn't told from me it's told from those that seen it so what happened to me i don't know and I don't remember, I have no recollection of it, but what I've been told through everyone and pieced together is um, it was a four-wave set, four waves at about 25 foot on the head. So I, I do remember coming up from this one that I got sucked over on. I got one gasp of air and I had salt water all running through my eyes and I had one eye closed and one eye, like, barely open and yeah like this thing was like a meter or two away from me like a 25 foot of pitching and just detonated in front of me and that's like the last last thing i remember so you didn't even have a chance to try dive or anything just no and and i'm guessing because i've been in a scenario not similar to this because nothing <laughs> is fucking similar to this but i remember in max when we were surfing some some big waves like trying to come up the air when I've been held down and coming up in the top part of the water is just foam. foam so you suck so it you, in. Yeah, you ch- choke on water. And I, and I can just imagine with huge waves like that, you're coming up and then you're hitting foam. So, like, you're trying to get out of that foam just to get air. Otherwise, you suck in and you choke in more water. Yeah. So I, I got one gasp in. That was all I got. And then just got the living shit beaten out of me. And you don't remember? And like, I don't remember it. Like, so, so what happened? So however many ways passed and I think I got pushed off the reef by this time and I've come up and Henry, the guy that was towing Jake in, 
that towed. They were the two guys that were part of their whole um, towing part. And so I think the channel was screaming at Henry to come pick me up. And he was just like, go pick who up. Like he was pretty confused. He didn't understand what was going on. And then obviously looked in there and I must have, as the turbulent water, as I've been put in the turbulent water, I think it had pushed me up and then they'd seen me. And then I got sucked straight back down and I was just getting thrown around, I'm assuming. And he's come in and he's missed me. And then he's come back and he's picked me up. He said he threw me on the back of the ski and so I was just dead weight. How many waves did you end up copping? I don't know. I, I got no idea. You'd have to ask the boys. Like I said, I've. I've got the recollection of getting sucked over and getting one gasp of the wave behind it. Fuck, even their story would be so crazy because even for them to get in to get you, like that's a whole mission, like that's a, a whole scenario, like in between huge waves coming through to get into the impact zone, to get like like somewhere to pick someone up, to get in, get out, get that body on the ski, get out. You've got someone like a, that you know like, or like a friend unconscious, so like I'm assuming you're unconscious. Well, these boys didn't know who I was at this stage either. Like, I didn't really know any of the West Oz boys over there. I I don't even think I knew anyone. I flew over on my own accord and just, like, I got lucky with a ski ride out and met everyone out there type thing. Yeah, I, I don't think I knew anyone from that swell at all. And, um, yeah, I ended up becoming good mates with pretty much everyone a part of that session. And... Um, Ange, a photographer over there, backtrack a little bit. He got towed into a wave just as I jumped off for this Arvo session before this chaos happened. I can't remember if he was doing doubles or he was getting towed into one and he he messed up at the start, went head over turkey, come up, pulled his flotation device, come rocketing up and had bleeding ears and bleeding nose. And that was the first thing I seen before I'd got to the lineup. And I just had to blank it out, just pretend I didn't see it. And I was just like, that was horrific. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, and Ange, he reckons, he told me, quote from him, that night at the pub was, I've been shooting this way for 10 years. And he said, I've never seen anything come close to that, what you went through. And it was in disbelief that I was even still here, especially with the no flotation. Okay, so what happened? So they've, they've picked you up. And your, Henry said your... I was just dead weight. Like I flopped on the back of the ski. And then he reckons I was sitting on the ski for... Oh, I can't remember how long I was... I was sitting on the ski for a period of time. So, and, um, so you're conscious like, or like unconscious but breathing? Yeah, like I was like I was there as a person, apparently. I'd, I'd, like I said, I don't, I don't know this part. And then I stood up and just jumped in the water on my boo and then paddled to the guy, Connor the ski that I was um, meant to be on, uh, beached myself on his ski mat and then just, um, yeah, and I, was, I think I was sitting on the ski with my hands on my knees just like staring into nothing and guys would come up to me apparently and they were just like, are you all right? And I just was like a ghost just staring at them and yeah, I had, had no idea, like don't remember being told any of that or seeing any of it. And this was... Yeah, I think it took me a few hours to come back to. And then when I vaguely remember coming back to, I actually was laying. I had my hands down. I was laying on the ski mat. 
and I felt like I was in a dream and I could hear all this hooting. And I remember like a wave slapping me in the face, like just a bit of water that's come up on the ski sled. And I remember turning to the right. I was like, wow, how cool is that? Like, I'm in a dream and I'm at the right. Like, how? Cr-? And I just remember like just watching someone get pulled into like a ridiculously big barrel and blown out and was just like so delusional still and just had no no idea that I was actually like there in the moment. And um, yeah, and then I kind of come to and the filmers and that, they were all just like, oh, like we're packing up. Um, our batteries are dead. And from memory, I was like, well, I'm just going to jump out and get one more. And they were just like, no, you're not. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I'm sweet. And they're like, do you know what you've just been through? And I was just like, I was like heaps confused looking at him like, what are you, what are you talking about? And then I just, I agreed with them. I was just like, okay, like no worries. And we went back, ended up laying on the sled all the way back to the inlet, got to the inlet, um, you know, got back to land and got off the ski, got out of, out of, out of our wetsuits. And um, Tim Benython comes up to me and just throws his phone in my face. And he's like, oh man, like this post's going crazy. <laughs> like it's getting so many hits. And um, I was just like looking at it like, what are you even showing me? Like had no idea. And um, it was that wave that, yeah. And and at this time I didn't even know that had happened. Even though I do remember it at the time, I like it was just a blur. Yeah, it hadn't come back to you. No, it hadn't come back. And um, yeah, and then we went to the pub, like the whole crew kind of went to the pub and... By the time you went to the pub, were you feeling back normal? Has it all come to you or like... I still don't even remember like getting out of... I just remember like Tim getting in my face. I don't remember talking. I don't remember getting back to the pad, having a shower if we did or anything. I vaguely remember walking into the pub. My memory of it's just like so patchy. That is... How weird... How weird is that? It's like... The people around you are probably thinking that you're kind of normal or maybe like just a bit down or I don't know. Yeah, just a bit flat from but getting But you, you've flogged. actually been so knocked out. Like you are like literally just walking around in a dream. Yeah, like I was just didn't know where I was. And we went to the pub and I was pretty much just the quiet little kid in the corner. Just everyone was talking and I just I was just sitting there listening to stories and stuff. And Ange once again was just like, oh, where's Shane? And like, everyone that was at the pub just turned around and was just all staring at me and I was just like oh shit like have I done something and like this is where I was still so spacey and he's just like are you all right and I was just like yeah like I'm sweet and just kind of laughed and um that's when everyone was just like what the fuck like just heaps confused with like how I reacted and I guess I never got asked the question like are you okay like do you remember anything yeah. And I guess if I... Do you know what happened? Yeah, because I didn't. Yeah, because they're just assuming, like, you know, and that you're just like, oh, just a bit quiet. Like, yeah. I'll yeah. I'll leave him alone. He's been, been a bit quiet. Well, I didn't know anyone either, yeah. so I was quite quiet and just, you know, just sitting back kind of thing. And like I said, just listening to the stories. And then we went to bed that night, woke up the next day, and yeah, like, I went back to... Where'd we go? We went to Marg's, which happened... We ended up staying at Jake and Henry's house, which is the guys that towed into this wave. And, um, yeah, Tim's, like, phone was just, like, getting lit up and, like, going skits. And um, he was just like, wow, man, that post is probably, like, 
one of the craziest posts that I've ever done. And I was still just like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I still hadn't really even looked at the photo. And and then I read the caption. He showed me the caption. It was like, Shane Ackerman, near death. Oh, I can't even remember what it said. And I like, I thought about it and I was just like, shit, I need to. At this stage, I had my phone on flight mode. Usually if I try and fly somewhere, I put my phone on flight mode and just I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to be there, live in the moment, and I'll talk to you when I'm back. And it just, it dawned on me. I was like, I need to call mum. Like, she's going to see that for sure. Like, I was just confident that how much Tim was saying it was blowing up. I was like, she's going to see it. And it took me 20 minutes to even use my phone. Like, it was just, when I turned it off flight mode, it was just messages, missed calls, like, even calling, like, multiple calls. I've never, I didn't even know technology was that hectic. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, it took me 20 minutes to finally get through and, yeah, I called and, like, mum answered within the first ring and was just like, how are you going? And I was like, yeah, like, I'm good. And she's like, I've heard you've been a bit of a twat. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh, yeah, like, no, nah, I'm all right. And just uh, from memory, she was like, oh, how was it? And I was like, oh, it was, like, it was incredible. Like, that day was amazing. She's like, oh, did you nearly drown? And I was just like... I think so. I think I need a few days for it to kind of digest and, like, be able to think about it. But, yeah, like, I'm sweet. Like, I'll see you when I get home. And that was, like, the extent of it. And Do you reckon your mum acts like that towards you because she doesn't want to show you how much she's scared? Uh, I got told off heaps of people she was that sugar. Yeah. So, like, my auntie was had coffee with her, like, weeks later and she was saying how rattled she was from the whole thing and... Like yeah. I said, I'd never shown mum any surf trip, anything that yeah. I do. And the one time I did, <laughs> went belly up. And Yeah. Yeah, but it was funny because I've come home and I was home for 12 hours. And then I hopped in a car and drove 24 hours across the country to South Oz. And no one knows about it. What happened in South Oz? I just went down there surfing and just got off the grid and just... I didn't do, reply Do you feel the, you just needed... I just need to get away. Like my phone was just so hot at that moment and everyone wanted to know the story and what happened and I still didn't know what happened. I needed time to digest and I was just like, I, yeah. So you hadn't contact, had you contacted, had you let out that like, no, you were alive or anything? No. So a lot of people were thinking that you may oh. be either severely injured or were dead for a couple of weeks. And it's yeah, just... I had mates, like, going back and forth. Like, have you heard from him yet? Have you heard from him? No, I haven't heard from him. Is he okay? Like, I yeah, I, I contacted mum and I can't remember who else. I contacted, I like, maybe one other person and that was it. And then it was pretty much just, oh, and then I think I seen a swell and the mate that I chased the swell with, it was just like, yeah, let's go. And he was the only other person that really knew. Dude, I can, I can completely relate to that. Like, when when you just need to go within, like literally you can't deal. I, I can just so relate to that. When I, when I crossed the mountains in Iceland, I was literally after that, I was so rattled and so shaken. It's just like, I couldn't digest. I, it. Yeah. I couldn't deal with other people or mm. anything. I like, it was, I, I reckon I had like a three week for me. It was like, I was sick for about 10 days from it, but I reckon it was about three weeks before I came back to my normal self. Yeah. Mine just, was about five weeks. Yeah. Right. So I went off grid for five weeks and, 
I'd, I traveled that whole yeah. time and no one really knows the backstory because everything was so concentrated on the right. And, it, and it's not a selfish thing. Like people listening to this might think that's such a selfish thing to do, but when you've nearly died like that and gone through such a near-death experience and like being, you've had the shit knocked out of you. And mm. it's like you, it is, it's like you need to digest that. You need to just like, especially when everyone is in your face wanting to know what's going on or what happened and blah, blah. And it's just like, you can't. It's claustrophobic. Yeah, you're trying to figure it out yourself. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the what I learned about myself, like just to relate when I crossed the mountains, it was like, I was just trying to figure out what the fuck happened and like what because i learned so much and i grew so much within myself when i did that but it like it rattled me so hard mm. and i had to try and figure that out before i could even answer any of those questions to people yeah that's exactly how i felt and like i said i went down to south oz we chased a swell down there and we're down there for like two or three days and it's about 22 hours to get there like we didn't sleep like drove all through the night all through the day surfed all day surfed all night like surfed the next day and then drove home and then I'd come home from there. Yeah, I'd come home from there and I think I was... I went straight to two night shifts. And then I flew out to Tahiti. And I went to Chopes. And I was there for eight days or something like that. Or oh, I can't remember. Is that when you got that huge monster? No, nah, no. Nah, that was a few years ago. Um, but that was a fun swell kind of didn't live up to the height but it was still fun like eight to ten foot and then come home from that and i was home for three days roughly and then i went to africa and i was there for i can't even remember probably a week bit over a week and surf skeleton bay then come home and by then things had started to digest but at the same time i'd done so much you but, kept your mind busy. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then it was funny, like, trying to kind of tell the story because I was still getting peppered at this stage and it was just like, I just stopped replying to everyone and it was just like, I'm just going to do a social media post and if you read it, that's where you get it from. Otherwise, ask me in a year's time when it's like, I, like you know, when it's old and the dust has settled. And, um, yeah, it was... Got a lot of reach, I guess, but I still feel like, yeah, it's the untold story, really. Like, no one, you know, sometimes when you see a novel on social media, depending on where you are as well, you're just like, oh, I don't have time to read that. I'll come back to it, and you don't. Yeah. So, yeah, that's 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 what went on. <laughs> Man, you got me on the edge of my seat. I fucking love it. I love it. My, my mouth, you probably notice I've, I've chewed all my nails. I just can't get over what what goes like what goes through your head like is it a challenge like do you is it just yeah. your way of challenging yourself to see how much you can push yourself yeah 100% like a friend once told me why or i never knew how to explain my approach in ways or you know why i do what i do and she explained it perfectly she was just like you know, if I go out and I want to surf, I want to make the wave and I'm so scared to not make it and I'm scared to fail. Whereas I got this reputation growing up as this guy that just goes and gets flogged and I used to just laugh about it and it turned into a joke and then it just got to the point where I was like, well, 
if you're going out there and you're going to laugh at your biggest failures, which is wiping out, then what do you got to lose? Nothing. I love what you said to me yesterday because it's something that I can relate to so much. You, you, I was actually thinking about it all day today. Um, you said to me yesterday about like just because like as in like people saying like you copying so many wipeouts or pushing boundaries or going so deep in or sitting in spots or taking off spots where it's unmakeable or where people think it's it's not possible and you're going to give it a go and people think no that's silly or that's stupid kind of thing and you're like yeah well it is for you you know what i mean yeah, it's yeah. like that's your limitations. Yeah, that's you know what not I mean. Mine. And you're not setting those limitations for yourself. You're like, I'm going to see if I can do that. Yeah, and people that. don't understand that. Like I was saying with um, with some mutual friends of ours, when they were talking to me about being in the mountains, and they just didn't understand that added push. You know, mm. it's like I want to see if I can do that. It's like, yeah, it's it seems so reckless to other people, but to you. Why do you think you're willing to risk so much for that? Like we're all going to die; it's inevitable. Do you fear death? Why? Because like a no. lot of people think that you don't fear death. Well, they're right. Like I said, it's inevitable. We're all going to die at one stage, so why not live life to the fullest? I'd I'd rather if I died young and doing what I'm doing, you know, leaving no stone stone unturned, then I've lived a good life. If I sat back and did my nine to five job and you know had all these desires and all these big dreams and never did them then you know yeah i i said this yesterday to my sister without giving it much thought and i still haven't given it much thought so i don't know how much truth is in it for me without like really contemplating it but i was talking about pulling out a bit of my super because you can right now so i can finish building this house and she's like, oh, no, it's a silly idea because when you're 70 years old and you can get it, you're going to really need that money. And I was like, oh, that's only one bit. I've still got some super. But I, and then I said to her, I don't really plan on living till I'm 70. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. why I'm going, I probably won't. Like, no, but it isn't even that. I was just like, I don't know. Like, maybe I'm a little bit naive in the fact that I'm trying to live so much for the now. Yep, but it's 100%. like, I'm like... I think there is definitely a balance there where you've got to look after yourself where you're older, like, you know, look to the future, but it's like at the same time, I'm not going to give it too much thought. You know what I mean? It's like now and like happening now and having these experiences now. I was like... It can be now and never moments. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, that's what I'm here for. Like, I'm here to live life. And it's like, and you seem to be the same. And, and a lot of the things you've been telling me the last few days and like the stories that you've had, like I've been able to relate to it so much. There's like a little light bulb <laughs> yeah there's a yeah there's a little um switch that goes on in your mind that i think um it's definitely not the same shane it's so hard to because the thing is like your level of extreme is so extreme so it's like i can relate to how your mind works but i can't relate to how the level of your extremity and i think that's the hardest thing it's like do you do you feed off here's a question for you like because the one thing that surrounds the the name Shane Ackerman is just and it's normally and it's not a normally like there's a reaction to it mm. and when you when you mention your name it isn't oh oh that guy's charges big way oh that guy's great it's like that guy's fucking mental. Like even like when you when you read all the um, articles online that are about you, it's all like the biggest hellman charger in the world. Like this, or it's like all it's like it's big, 
big descriptions of who you are. Like, um, how does that, do you reckon that, how do you feel like when you hear that stuff, when people say you're the craziest mother, motherfucker that has ever lived or whatever, like, do you, when you hear this stuff, do you think it drives you more? Do you reckon you feed off that? Not at all. Like, I'm just your average Joe out there having a go. Like, I know, this is, you're so normal too. Like, it's like. Yeah, like, I'm just like everyone else. Like, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm no different to you. Like, I'm no different to Ben. Like, I'm, I'm no yeah, different. Yeah, you are. You're <laughs> fucking you're going down and surfing like 30 foot waves. You're it's walking so over. so different to us. <laughs> you're walking over mountains in Iceland, like. <laughs> fucking doesn't. Nothing compares to some of those videos of the stuff I've seen you do. Fuck, man. That's like the saying, like, you can do whatever you put your mind to it. And I guess... Mm. That's where, with paddling waves, that's that's the theory I'm trying. It's where did like, it start for you? Like, the actual, like, where does it, did it start from the, like, I know you said before about copying wipeouts and everything, but where did it start the big wave thing, like, of doing something so different? Um, I grew up doing nippers, surf club, and I hated the water. I never did water events the whole time I grew up. Like, I hated the water. Didn't want anything to do with it. And then one day after school, a mate was like, I'm going to go for a surf. Like, do you want to come? And I borrowed heaps of just like secondhand stuff of family, friends and stuff like that. And went out. I was nothing special. I was the biggest kook known to man, like hand-me-downs and stuff like that. And I was just out there because my mates were out there. And, you know, it became a ritual. Like, you catch the train down, you go surf, you know, down Shell Harbour, Kaima area and come home and that was i guess instead of going and playing soccer i'd go i got into this thing of surfing and i would i'd love to just do tricks two to three foot beaches like and a wedge like that was my paradise and one of the waves that i'd surf was kaima wedge and out the back of it you can see a wave kaima bommy which everyone knows is just like a dry rock that surges and just closes out like you can't make it and it's not a wave and you hear all this yeah all this negative cloud around it and you know in other people's eyes then maybe it is a shit crappy wave but for me like I went out there and like I said earlier I had my own demons so to speak and that place like throttling me and making me feel vulnerable kind of brought me like made, made me feel alive yeah made me feel alive and like kind of brought me back to who i am so it's so funny it's so funny like i often think that too when i see like the demons inside someone where they and it's not even de- it's 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 looked when you say it like that it's looked like a, like it's it's a bad thing but it isn't it's like you turn we it all into have, a good thing. yeah we all have something inside us it's like i I remember like when I broke up with my ex-girlfriend, I was with this girl for like six or seven years and like it was, we had an amazing relationship, but it was just not something that I could do anymore. And I remember I, I, I started going to the gym and started running and like just this, I don't know if it was an emptiness or, or what it was, but the, where I was lost in life at that time in my life gave me an extra gear. Like fucking, I, it, it just gave things. me this extra gear in the gym or running or like just with anything that I did. 
and you could say that was a demon, but mm. it wasn't. I just like I just I, it was like it was like I'd lost energy where I was putting energy into maybe her, mm. and then I I needed to put that energy somewhere, and I put it over here. But it was like I don't know. It's just like I and I still remember like well, this is quite personal for me to say, but it's like I I still remember like in the in the moments where I did have heartache or whatever, and I could I remember it was like there was a part in my mind that I could access to get that emotion to push me to do better to another level. Like, you know what I mean? And, and yeah, like, yeah. I, and, and, you know, it's like now I don't have that there. Oh, it's actually just kind of like how you were saying before, like it, that fear barrier. It's like, I don't really have that there now, but now I know how to be a mongrel. I call it my mongrel. Yeah. Where it's like when I get to my limit and I, now I love being in that zone. Yeah. It's like I thrive in that zone. I love being in the part. It looks so reckless to other people. It's like I like, you know, like pushing myself to the point where, all right, I'm done. And I'm like, fuck, I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. You know what I mean? Instead of asking asking Benny sitting in the corner over there, hey, Benny. But instead of asking Benny to help me lift a log, I'm like, no, I'm just going to freaking do it. And someone will be like, you put your back out. I'm like, I'm lifting it again. And I'll just, you know, instead of going to get the car, and get the trailer and put the log on, I'll flip it the whole way down across my property, <laughs> you know, because it'll take me the same amount of time. But I'm like, oh, fucking, I'm doing it, you know. I don't know. It's just like it taught me to to be able to really push my boundaries, but in, in a way it did come from a dark place, I suppose. Like I've, I've, I've had that way before I was with her, but it's just like when, my, when I broke up with her, it's like I used that emotion then to get into the mongrel stage. Yeah, I think... There's two people in this world, like, you know, we all have our demons and it's how you use them. Some mm. people just don't have the motivation and can't push out of it and then others find a part in their brain, I guess, that pushes them to the next level and, and motivates them to do things they probably never thought they were going to do and it's you have to go to that dark place and it's almost like it's how you rebuild yourself. But in, like like, you know, you rebuild yourself as a better person. Yeah because you've come from such a shit place and you don't want to go back down that rabbit hole. So you just build yourself up until, you know, you're happy with who you are or, you know, doing things like doing something completely different. Do, do you get scared out there now? Nah. Like no, if you've got a 20 no, foot I haven't chokes for, wave coming at you. Bring it on. What about <laughs> chip stones? Oh, who's your daddy? Shut <laughs> <laughs> up. Oh. Oh my god, shit stirs. Okay, I've got a couple of questions for you. Um that that a few people wanted me to ask you. How do you prepare before you go to a swell? Like when you see that swell coming, like is there a mental state? Is there a way that you have to like start like getting like mentally prepared? I think if you if you're going for a session and you have a ritual, so you listen to certain songs and if you don't listen to them, you you can't, you know, surf at the level you want to. You've already set yourself up for failure. Yeah, well, because like, you're giving yourself a limitation. Exactly. So you've got to kind of, you've got to get rid of that. You you always, I like to set with every swell. I'll turn up and in my mind, it's like, okay, it's this big, it's doing this, it's a bit ugly. I'll set goals, just little ones. And then... As the sessions go on, I try and tick them off. Sometimes I just like bite off more than I can chew, and it's just like I'm going straight to the top. And 
just yeah. try and do it. But it, it, yeah, I don't know. You know, some days you wake up on the good side of the bed, and other days you wake up on the wrong side of bed. You take the good. Well, you're the keeping bad. yourself in that state of achievement, so you keep exactly. yourself frothing, exciting a little bit. But yeah, that's a smart, yeah, smart thing. You need you need goals to keep your motivation. Like, and that I find that's a hard thing to. Most of the places I chase and all the swells I chase, like I feel like paddling is a very unique sport now. Like I feel like it's a lot of it's turned into towing. And more often than not, I feel like I'm sometimes, or more often than not, I am the only person in the lineup paddling. Here's a question for you. So you're out paddling and there's these jet skis that, and these guys train. They train hard. They're working together as a team. They're backing each other up. You're out there with no backup. You're out there with no floaties. You're out there by yourself. Do those guys, do you feel that those guys respect the level of how hard you're pushing yourself? And do you feel that they have your back? Like, because, you know, they have each other's backs, you know, because they've, they've got their guy. Like, are they, do you feel that they're looking out for you considering you're the, the one taking it to such a next level? Yes and no. I feel like they know I'm there. That like, I feel like everyone kind of now now knows. Like, if I'm in the lineup, what I want to do and what I want to achieve. Um, it's a weird one because I feel like in big wave surfing, we've all got each other's back, whether it looks that way or not. Yeah. We all look out for each other. If shit hits the fan, you you're gonna help whoever's. Whoever it is, even if you don't like the guy, if you've got to give him mouth to mouth and you know and you're competent, you're going to do it. Yeah. Type thing. So, yeah, it's it's a grey area. I don't know. But what's amazing I, about you, Shane, is that you're pushing those barriers so much and you're showing what is possible. And so you just said before, like, now they know you cause, because you made a name for yourself. You know um, what I mean? So you're pretty much now going to help those guys that have come before that are going to go come after you you know what i mean now the guys that are being like oh shane's doing it. Oh, i'm gonna go for it you know like you're showing what's possible hmm. and yet you know like even though like you might be like the lone shark right now pushing it to such a level but it's like you're, you're going to create that culture where those guys are going to look after the paddler a lot more or whatever because they're they're going to realize like there's going to be more people paddling, I suppose. I Hopefully. hope so. I hope so because if you're in a lineup, and it, I feel like it's such a distant memory, but when you're in a lineup and there's people paddling and like pushing it, like it just pushes you to yeah. go further and harder. And it is hard at times when there's minimal or no one in the lineup and you're trying to push yourself to get bigger ones and, you know, push those boundaries. It, the motivation that you have to do to do it becomes like way harder than just normally turning up you know yeah if you go out with a mate and use it both you know pumped off each other and oh your mate gets a crazy one it's like oh i want to get one yeah you know and you just keep pushing but when it's like <clears throat> when you're by yourself and you're trying to do that like it's just, it's a mind game it's a crazy mind game i love what you said yesterday when you're telling us that story about mad monday like crazy crazy swell is that kayama <laughs> No, no, it was uh, Depot. Yeah. But you said like you surfed it the afternoon before and it was huge. 
and then you paddled out because you knew the word was out and like the skis were going to come. So you paddled out on dark by yourself so you could get a whole heap of waves before they got there. Now, what I found really interesting about that is that you're a guy doing it just purely because it's what you want to do. Doing it purely like you don't have the sponsorship backing, um, like you've got some sponsors and some great sponsors, but you don't have that big sponsorship backing, um, getting paid big dollars to do this. You're literally like just doing it that's what you want to do. And then you have these guys on skis of which their added motivation is to get paid more or to get that shot. Get the shot, and, I feel, is what. Yeah, you know, like they, and to get that name for themselves where you're out doing something solo where no one even hears about it. You know, you like no one even knew you were out there on dark because there's no photos of it or, or whatever and you've gotten all these huge waves by yourself. Like, who the fuck does that? You had no backing or whatever, but you literally just did it for your own love of it and you don't get any reward kind of thing. And what I love about it is because you're not doing it for the reward. No. Like, you're, you're, the, the your reward, reward is, is me. Is, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's for me and me only. And that's truth. Like, that is your truth. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't I don't need a paparazzi to do what I do. You know, some people I feel there'll be people in the channel and they'll see cameras and it's like, I'm going hard today to get the shot I've, I mm. want. It's just like, oh, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Well, it's not even necessarily the wrong re- reasons. It's just a different reason. Yeah. Like yeah. if like that's something to push them harder, like that's cool. But it's Things just like what's even it, yeah. more cool and more unique is like someone not needing that to push themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not needing any validation or any, you know, because like, like I can say like, like there's definitely times too, like I'd, I'll do stuff for the camera. Ben and I are always doing funny shit, <laughs> stupid stuff for the camera, you know what I mean? But it's like... We're, yeah, we're all guilty of being a photo slut. Yeah, you sure. know what I mean? Like if like, you know, like if I... Okay, here, here's a quick, like a thing. Like if I was like, I don't know, to drop down a mountain do something stupid i'm sitting there and i'm scared i'm like oh my god and then say there's 10 people watching they're like are you gonna go i'd be like oh all right i'll just go where oh. i don't know if i'm by myself oh no you know what nah fuck no i wouldn't that's a bad example because you know what i like to do peer pressure <laughs> yeah you know, i love peer pressure i love peer pressure in other people it's so good <laughs> i love it i love it i love climbing mountains and then sliding down on my, on my butt. <laughs> it's like he goes so fast. You've so no jokes, mate. Like, what the fuck? It's just like so funny. I'm like, I'm going to see how quick I can get off this thing. I might hit a rock, but it'd be really bad if you did. <laughs> really bad if you did. Oh, so split stupid. Two. <laughs> I don't know why I do it. It's so funny. Um, Okay, there's a couple of questions here. Okay, what is it like to get absolutely smashed to pieces by one of those monsters and what's going through your mind? Like when you are going to cop a solid hold down, like you're copping a 24 on the head, which would, that would potentially, if you're not in the, especially if you're not in the right frame of mind, would kill fucking most people on this planet. Even if you are in the right frame of mind, like it can still kill you. So what, what goes through your mind? Like nothing. Absolutely nothing. You shut off. You don't. You know, you start thinking and that's where fear creeps in. And when fear creeps in, you start panicking. And once you start panicking, you start using more of your body. You start using the oxygen. So you start thinking of pattern cats. 
Oh, like, I remember vividly. <laughs> I'm just sitting in and just like, ah, what am I doing tomorrow? Like, just getting flogged. Like, just, you know what I mean? Like, what the, like, I like remember, how do you not do that? Well, like, surfing Kaima when I was younger, like, I remember clear as day. I, I don't remember the session, but I remember a wipeout, and I just remember singing, we all live in a yellow submarine. Yeah, the suffering. <laughs> yeah, just like shit like yeah. that, or like you know, "Strawberry Kisses" by Nicky Webster. Like, just so you don't count. I can, I nah. can imagine this. Like, oh, if that was me getting smashed, I'd be like, "We all, we all live in the yellow submarine." Alison, just freaking out, you know, like. No, you just, you know, you you got to shut off, and ha- everyone has a different way of doing it. Some people like to count. Uh, to me, I just take the piss out of the situation. <laughs> Yeah. So listen to a ridiculous song. You know, everyone that's been in the car trip with me knows I listen to some wacky shit. Yeah. But it's because may- maybe that's unintentionally, that's like me preparing. Yeah. I don't know. Like, Well, it's a distraction. Exactly. Which is what you need. You don't, Like mm. I said, you, the second fear creeps in is where stuff goes pear-shaped. And the, I think the thing where everything goes pear-shaped is hesitation. Yeah. If you're going to do something in surfing, don't hesitate. Yeah. The second you hesitate and every scenario I know where someone's hesitated, yeah, it's ended yeah. bad. It's also every time I've hurt myself or put myself in a bad situation. It's hesitation. It's hesitation. Yeah. And just not committing. Okay, I've got I've got a question for you that Ollie, our, our boy Ollie Doucette, the, who's also a big wave charger and he's an amputee, does this shit with one leg. It's freaking insane, Ollie, so big shout out. But he has an amazing question that he sent me. Okay, how does Shane return to the land of mortals after charging such extreme waves and reaching such huge huge highs from adrenaline? For me, the mental swings of surfing big waves or base jumping come with a period after where I know I want I won't experience anything like that for the next months. Is there anything Shane focuses on, thinks about to manage those highs? So as in like you've just got one of the hugest waves or like you've had this day of crazy surfing and your adrenaline has just been pumped through the roof like how do you manage that after after that like or like these near-death experiences like you said the one before like you went into yourself what about the the good days where everything goes perfect and you just had that adrenaline like you've cheated death all day basically you you definitely crave your next your next hit of adrenaline for sure (laughs) but um I don't know. Usually you s- those times you have with good mates and you just vibe off it and you just keep busy. But also you've got to be smart. I feel like not so much when I was younger, but I have in recent times I've had, uh, I'd say I've had pretty big adrenal fatigues yeah. and you've got to rest and just, yeah. you've got to shut off from it. It's almost like, You've got the desire to chase these waves and you're hungry to do it and, you know, you've got this drive to keep going and going, but you've got to learn to shut off and just recover. Yeah. So if you did back-to-back swells, that potentially would... I was telling you, when I crossed the mountains, my my adrenal, adrenal fatigue, fatigue, I was in bed for 10 days. Yeah. It it all depends on the sessions, you know. Like yeah. I, could, I could surf for a month straight getting back-to-back like floggings and having big sessions and come out fine and then there's just one time you're not fine you know you need that break you need that thing but um yeah i 
I don't know. I think as time goes on, instead of focusing on the next swell or whatever, I'm I'm more focusing on what do I what I want to achieve out of a place, as opposed to like, oh, come on, give me the next swell. I need to get there. I need I need that hit. You know what I mean? It's more now. It's more like, what do I want to get when the next swell hits for a specific spot? Yeah. Or what do I want to be at the end of the year if this and this, if this scenario happens and this scenario happens, if I'm, you know, where am I going to be sitting and how how am I going to look back at this year and be like, did I do what I wanted to do? Did I not? Like, I, I feel like if you're constantly chasing um, that adrenal, like, rush, yeah, you get burnt out to the point where, you know, like Ollie said, like he goes through these big highs and big lows. Yeah. So, yeah. If you, let's just say, because you're not a guy that chases um, sponsorships or does any of the normal pro surfing kind of stuff, right, to, to put yourself out there, how do you reckon it would change? Let's say a big sponsor picked you up and said, Shane, we're going to pay you, I don't know, let's just say 100 grand a year. Or even fifty grand, or even twenty. I don't know. Is they just going to pay you to say, "Hey, we want you to go chase some big swells and just go charge"? How do you reckon that would change your lifestyle? Like, how do you reckon that would change how how you can push your your limits and boundaries? I don't think it would. Um, it wouldn't change my approach to waves. It just give me more access to new things. So, I'd take more risks in the sense of chasing waves that. You know, at the moment, I'm at this point where I'll chase the waves I know and or I have the desire to chase, whereas if I had a backing, it would be more like, oh, like, I've heard about this wave here. I've got 20 grand in the bank. Let's go find it. Like, let's go have it. You know, I I feel like you'd take... I'd still be taking the same risk, but, like, just risk... Be more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Fuck. Okay, I've got another question for you. <laughs> I love being the interviewer. <laughs> what's your next bucket list? Like, what's your life goals? I don't know. Well, I suppose there's two to... questions. Do you have? Is there a wave? Is there a couple of waves that are on your radar that you need to, that you want to tick off? Ireland, Shark Island. No, Ireland, Ireland, oh, Ireland. Dilly dee potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so some some heavy slabs there, but you want it. I'm yeah. guessing you want it next level big yeah like Aileen's or the Cliff of Moa that wave like I've been fascinated forever and in recent years I've started to to see footage of um Mulgamore and I never thought much of it and now it's just like I'm pretty obsessed with that wave so that's definitely high on the list that's next on your list and what about just for your life in general of Shane Ackerman just have fun and keep living life to the fullest don't live the nine to five job. <laughs> well, that's not for you. It's not for me. Either. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. Just keep chasing. You know, chasing your dreams and living the life you want to live. So, doing stuff like this. Shh, Benny's, Benny's creeping just behind. Like walking us. around the room. Hey, Benny. You want to get me some chocolate? <laughs> yeah. Can you get chocolate, um, beer? Maybe put the kettle on too. Cup of tea. <laughs> How many sugars do you have in your tea? <laughs> uh, no, but I, I honestly, but have one last question for you. Okay, for for the advice of Shane Ackerman, of how you've lived your life, you know, because all it is is like tools, like people listening to this might, you know, like I was saying, like 
saying you today how much you'd be surprised about how much you inspire people by how much you push yourself, you know, and like that paves the way for the next guys because that shows you sh- you're showing people what's possible. Mm. And I was like, that is whether if people like what you do, that bodybuilding, they're related to other parts in their life. It doesn't matter. It's just so freaking inspiring, like watching what you do. It's like if you could give people advice of how you've been able to like live your life, like what would you, like if you're sitting down talking like, you know, you're an old man and your, your grandson comes over and sits on your knee and <laughs> says, Grandpa Shane. <laughs> the words of wisdom. The, the, the little kid has the grandpa voice, Grandpa Shane. <laughs> no, and, says, <laughs> and says to you like, you know, like, what's the meaning of life or, like, how should I live my life or, like, I don't know, like, what what do you feel has been your key? Surrounding yourself with positive people and like-minded people. Yes. I think it's the biggest, the biggest factor by far. If you're around, like, a, a negative cloud, then it, it comes off, it rubs off on you. Yeah. If you're around positive people that have a go-getting attitude and, you know, are quite adventurous, they don't have to be on your level. You know what I mean? You just need you need that kind of positive array around. <laughs> Benny, you don't have to be that quiet. It's just the thumps on the floor. Where's my chocolate? The chocolate's <laughs> in the fridge there. Yeah. Get me my chocolate. <laughs> I need someone more positive around me. <laughs> I need someone who feeds me candy. <laughs> Actually, Ben here, he, he was the one that, um, I'd say, reconvinced me to do the podcast. There we go. Open that chocolate, you sweet tooth. Can you hear that? Listen. Oh, and for people that want to know more about the um, the inside the mind of Shane Ackerman, he has an extremely um, he's extremely addicted to sugar. <laughs> he's lying. I'm an athlete. <laughs> Eat your veggies. <laughs> oh, but Ben um, out there, he gave me the same thing when I was setting up this podcast because I had so many friends like push me into it and say you need to do this and and. Ben was really supportive, um, and he's one of my neighbours here. And if you watch our social media, <laughs> he's my neighbour. We're always doing stupid videos together. But I, I went over to Indonesia, and I was hanging out with some other friends of mine um, that I used to live with. And a couple of the blokes were extremely negative about it, and they put me in this hole. They made me question everything and just made me so insecure because they just one mate and without putting him down because he's an amazing dude but it, it came from his own insecurities but he he said to me about this even just this idea he's, he turned to me and said dude you've cooked it like you, you've you've cooked it dude he's like you're, you're he pretty much just called me a kook he's like just what do you think you're gonna go around telling people stories like you're an idiot and i was like what and like i and i came home and i said to ben i was like oh, i don't think i'm gonna do the podcast anymore dude and he's like what are you talking about you're frothing you're having so much fun with it you know what I mean? He's like, you like you love doing it. You're having so much fun and like meeting all these cool people. And, like, and the avenues it's opened and, up for you. Yeah, but it was just like basically it's like having people like and, – and that, that was a big reminder because I had like these – and they're still my mates for sure, but it's just like I don't have as much time you for them as – You don't associate yourself with them as much. Yeah, compared mm. to – I just really realized the people that I spend a lot of my time with now are the ones that validate me and I validate them. And yeah, they pick you up. Yeah, exactly and it's just right. like we we work together as a team. It's just like, you know, they enjoy me being in their life and I enjoy them. <laughs> <They're just walking laughs> <naked>. <laughs>
<laughs> uh, I'm taking a video right now. <laughs> All right, Shane, now that we've got the neighbor walking around naked. Yeah, let's get out of here, man. Um, thanks for coming down. Nah, thank you. Alright, this doesn't really happen or normally happen with Diaries of the Wild Ones. We just finished the conversation and Ben and and Shane and I are sitting around and, and the conversation has got so interesting. This actually this normally happens with podcasts, is like the best conversation comes after. But this time I've decided to press record again because we we're just talking about because Shane, you you were known for not making waves by taking off so deep. And you just said to me, what you just say? <laughs> we were just talking about the, the whole reason why we surf is to get barreled because it, it, it is where the explosion of emotion comes from. Like if you do a good turn or get a nice wave, you know, like you're stoked and everything and you're frost. But when you get a barrel, it's like you come out screaming and everything. That's what we're all, we're all chasing. And you just said to me, if you make it, you didn't take off deep enough. <laughs> but that's what a lot of people... That's like a, a thing that um, people have talked about, about yours. And I just realized the reason why I just turned the recording back on is that this is something that everyone wonders about you. And so I'm just going to ask. It's like, yeah, you you don't make a lot of waves because you take off so deep. And there's a lot of people that wonder why you're sitting so deep and, and take it and, and, and take those risks. It's like, why do you do that? Do you just get so much? Because you, you, you just, I just asked you what the best barrel is you ever had. And you said the ship's turns wave. And if you guys want to just Google Shane Ackerman ship's turns, you're going to see the most ridiculous fucking wipeout you've ever seen in your life. And you said that's the best barrel you've ever had. And I, I can understand for like one or two seconds, you would have had the most crazy vision. And that's, that's why I do it for the vision. I mean, it's a bonus if you make it, but you weren't deep enough. <sighs> <laughs> In saying that too, so you know, like when you get that travel time in a barrel before you get slammed, and you know you're about to get slammed, but that travel time is so amazing because you're so deep for a second. Is yeah, that, is that why? Is that like that? Um, I think I've just become so accustomed to wipeouts that you know it's some of the best views I've ever got. I've never made, or well, I'm known for that. So yeah, like. I've made some amazing barrels visually. If you look at them, they look amazing. And I'm just like, yeah, like that was cool. But this closeout was heaps better. But then in saying that, some closeouts you get the visions. Shit house. <laughs> yeah. This is why you're so twisted, man. Because it's like, <laughs> no, it, it is. Because like you're willing to risk so much just for that vision. Where a lot of people, it's like it's the vision and the, the sense of escaping. Where you just want to be in there for that that vision and your escape is making the wipeout. Well, yeah, like oh, I can't remember who quoted it, but someone says, you know, we all chase getting bowed, and but the second you're in it, you want to escape it, you want to get out of it. Yeah, and it is true to an extent. But if you're comfortable with getting your ass handed to you, or you know, you're not scared of it, then you're not scared to um, you're not scared to embrace a, a lovely ass whooping. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, okay, here's a question for you. When you're in a monster fucking wave barrel, like these 20-foot, 
25 foot waves that you're taking off like the biggest Topping waves in the, the world <laughs> that you're that you're surfing and they're these big huge round barrels that you're in the middle of if you were to describe that to a non-surfer how would you describe that you can't that's the craziest thing about it is you can't explain it to anyone and i do a fair bit of pov like point of view perspective and i can kind of describe it but unless you're a surfer or unless you've experienced being in a barrel like you can't describe it to anyone that you shut off from everything yeah, but all that ca- so you mean the, the camera work or the pov yeah yeah but none of that it never shows the it justice never, to yeah the justice of how big it is or how mm. wild it is like remember i've taken my gopro out and got got barreled like i was in these stand-up pits in in iceland there's my camera and it, and it looks like it's two foot you'd be surprised some ways i've got on pov are probably only two foot and most people think they're a lot bigger and then vice versa some of those pits are monsters and they look like a three-footer so here's the question that benny asked you before would you surf nazare that huge wave in portugal I'd rather go to Macca's and stuff myself full of crazy burgers and surf that shithole. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Why? Why is that? Well, if you're surfing barrels, like at least if you're getting flogged, you've you've got a pretty view to look out. Like when you're chasing burgers, you just get mowed down and flogged. And what do you get out of it? Like face racing a big wave is fun, but you can do it and get barreled. Yeah. At least there's something at the end of, you know, there's light at the end of that tunnel. There's nothing at the end of a greasy Nazareth shit burger thing. Yeah, I, I can, oh, I, de- I can definitely understand why people push themselves to go along on Nazareth, but I can see where you're coming from for you, for your perspective. It's like, you're going to, there's so much risk and so much, um, so much danger in, involved in that wave and for you if you're going to risk yourself you want to be looking at this big be inside this big round thing yeah you want yeah. something that you, is visually risk. pleasing like holding on for dear life bouncing and skipping down the face looking at sand like i can do that anywhere <laughs> yeah like wow. i'm sure if you ask all those guys that surf nazareth if you could get the biggest barrel of your life or the biggest burger of your life what are you going to take i'd Surely they'd be saying, I want the barrel. Yeah. I think there's the thrill in face racing a big wave, but the reward is pretty minimal. <laughs> and like the flogging you're going to get, it's just, <laughs> my eyes doesn't weigh up. Like, it's not worth it. Yeah. What's the, what is the craziest flogging you've ever had? Probably the one at the right. What's the craziest flogging you remember? <laughs> now that's a good okay, question considering you've been knocked down on a lot of um of big big wipeouts um that is a good question i don't know like i've just i've had so many i, I don't feel like there's any standouts and touch wood the worst wipeout i've had maybe not the worst wipeout i've had but the worst outcome i've had was the time I went back to the right, I um, <laughs> this is a pretty funny story. So I've paddled out, the only one there, it was a small crew, it was only like 15 foot sets, like it wasn't a big day at the right. <laughs> it was only 15 foot sets, yeah, only, only three story buildings coming through. <laughs> and um, 
I'd got to line up and I'd paddled literally the first wave that come at the right, like, and I made it and was like absolutely gobsmacked. I was just like, what? <laughs> I made one. Yeah. It was just like, <laughs> oh, did anyone see that? And um, I paddled back out. I got a few more and then this one come through and I pulled back on it. And I just, I still remember it so clearly. I just remember saying to myself, like, you didn't come over here to be a pussy. And as I pulled back, it sucked me in. So <gasps> it sucked me in more. And the next wave was, I thought was smaller, but I've looked at photos of both and it was actually a fair bit bigger. And I, um, I turned around and was just like, I'm going, like, don't, I don't, doesn't matter where I am. Like I'm going this thing. And I remember paddling but I didn't paddle too hard because I knew the wave before that I pulled back on had sucked me in to the point where I was like, I was in a weird spot. I was kind of under it enough um, to get into it, but I didn't have enough momentum. So I had to paddle, but I couldn't. So I've committed to this thing and I've, oh, I can't even remember. I, I paddled for it, obviously, but um, I just remember being on top of it, looking down and it was just a vertical wall. And I just pushed myself over the ledge and they, the boys in the channel described me as a flying squirrel. <laughs> and I Holy um, shit. So you just airdropped out of the lip. I airdropped top to bottom and did front flip. And I remember like looking up on my back, looking up at the roof of it, just being like, wow, that's a good interior design. <laughs> oh my God. And I got pushed heaps deep real quick. Um, I had blue tack in and... Yeah, and then I'd come in and I just felt like I had water in my ear and I couldn't hear out of it. And I was like, oh, it'll, it'll get out. And um, ended up going back to a mate's house and I was like, oh, this is so annoying. So I went to the toilet and got some toilet paper and like rolled it up into like a long pointy stick thing and poked it in my ear. And um, as I popped, like pulled it out, I was like, oh, there goes that water drop that was in my eardrum. Pulled it out and looked at the... Um, uh, the toilet paper and it was full of blood. Shit. So I thought I'd done my, I thought I'd burst my ear canal and I flew home and it was fine. Went to the doctor. <laughs> I'll get on a plane to test it out. <laughs> <laughs> that worked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I went to the doctors and um, I was like, oh, my ear's bleeding. And um, some Indian lady. So, like, could you imagine trying to talk to an Indian lady and describe what she... She's like, oh, like, what... I was out 15 foot at the right. (laughs) (laughs) And did a front flip off it. (laughs) And, um, yeah, she was just like, oh, how'd you do this? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I just played the good old... Just Mm. played dumb. And um, she's like, oh... I was like, oh, is my ear canal, like, ruptured? And she's like, nah. It's really weird, though. You've got a split on your ear canal. So, I've split my ear canal somehow. I, I don't know how. And that touch wood is the worst wipeout or worst thing I've ever had. It's all um, touch wood because it's all touch wood <laughs> and touch heaps of wood. Yeah, that's that's the worst um, worst injury or outcome I've had from a wipeout. Holy shit! Yeah, I'd I'd say. <laughs> Do you um in a in like a statistical kind of way? Because like there's a way it's like I like. 
self-punishment's not the word you know like i said that mongrel when you're in the gym i like i like to put myself in that limit of like where my mind has to get me through something and it's like you know like i've, I've talked about in the podcast before about stripping yourself of everything like like when i was telling you about like going to the islands or, and stuff or like go go really challenging yourself and like really raw and like pushing yourself to your limit because after that is like all growth mm. Because you've stripped yourself of everything. Like, do you find that's wipeouts are like that for you? It's like in a sadistical, but it's not sadistical, but like in a way it's like, you're just like, come at me. Like, you know, you, you just want to see what you can get away with kind of thing. And like, you're getting flogged and like. Yeah. When I was younger, I used to see red, I would say. Like, I'd get so angry that I didn't get a wave. Like, for that, an example, like the scenario of that, the right where I pulled back and was like, you're going. That wasn't a seeing red but like if i had that when i was younger it was like didn't matter what the next wave did if it went drive anything like i'd just commit to it like it was just go (laughs) and then um (laughs) yeah but i don't have it anymore unless i'm in a lineup and just something's going on like something pisses me off or or i haven't you know, I haven't done something or like it, it's usually me doing something that I set, said I wanted to do and I still haven't done it. And just sometimes a switch just clicks and I don't think you can tell when I'm in that mood. But if you see a stupid wave come and you see me looking at it regardless of the outcome, then yeah, I'm probably in that zone where it's just like, I don't care. Like I see red, like I'm going like shit it's like yeah yeah, it's kind of like get out of my way and i guess that's the funny side where when it comes to like the whole toe surfing side of things is like where they're like oh you can't you know from their perspective oh you can't do this you can't do that it's like well if i can see red i can do anything yeah get out of my way but because i feel like i'm not visually expressing the rage inside of me you you don't know that I'm going to do something yeah. stupid. And that, and that rage, it's like, it's just psyching yourself up. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. I, I, it's, not a, it's not a rage like, oh, I'm going to go. Yeah. There's yeah. a video of me when we're in Mexico <laughs> years ago on this bender. We're in Acapulco. And we decide to go bungee jumping. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> yeah. And I remember... I'm about to jump and I'm psyching myself up. One of the boys go, a couple of the boys go and then it's my turn. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm yelling and I'm screaming. I start slapping myself in the face. There's, they're filming it. The boys, I didn't know they're filming. I'm like, oh, God. like I've got it. Like I'm psyching myself up. I'm trying to see red. You're visually you know showing what I mean? the mongrel. I'm, yeah. Like you're doing this inside. I'm doing it outside. Yeah. I, I start slapping myself in the face. And then the Mexican guy's like going, your friend's crazy. He's fucking crazy, you know? <laughs> and then you know what the fuckers did to me? So I go, to, they get me ready. And they go, okay, you ready? Three, two, wait. And I'm like, what? What? And, and they're they like, so I was all psyched up. And they're like, nah, nah, it's all good. It's all good. And then they're like, three, two. And then, I oh know, he goes like, three. And then you know, one of them pushed me. And as he pushed, he's like, oh, and he threw like a, an empty line in front of my face. Isn't like, we well, haven't tied you on. Tied you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the 
the mongrel disappeared real quick. Oh, and panic yeah, that's in. the thing. Because yeah, I questioned it. You know, but it's just like, that's the thing. You, you're psyching yourself up. You're like, yeah, I can do it. I'm, I'm going it. Like, yeah. I, I can. Yeah. Some people. But you need to be able to get into that for you to be able to make the shit you do or be able to survive the stuff you do. Yeah, it's almost like a. It's almost like a survival instinct, I feel, you know. You're in a survival instinct kind of environment and sometimes to push through, you've just, yeah, you got to bring out the monk on you. Do you reckon you'd have mates that don't like surfing with you because they just like can't, they just can't even get to that level? They can't compete? It's not even a compete, you know, like healthy competition. Like, Ben, if I was like to surf with you and surf in like a good right, like barrel somewhere and you get a good one, it's like, it's like, whoa, like I see what's possible. I'm like, oh, I want a good one. He got a good one. I was like, I want a good one. So then you go and you go, wait for the set and you get, go deeper and then you go deep. And it's not, it's, it, I call it healthy competition. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because it isn't like, it's not like, fuck that guy. I want to, I want that one. It's like, whoa, like you're cheering for your mate and you're like, fuck now, I want one. <laughs> you know what I mean? That'd be no fun with you because you're sitting so deep. You're like, oh, I just want Shane get fogged. Now I want one. <laughs> You're listening, Gotti. <laughs> I've got a mate that fits that description perfectly. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, my American mate Ryan Gott. He um, he's a crack up. He he hates surfing with me, and he voices it to me all the time. And I just take it with a grain of salt, take the piss out of him. <laughs> can't, yeah, because he can't keep up. He's like, oh, like sometimes, like you know, how he describes it is the way that the day will come come through on a session and he'll be on the inside. He's just got flogged and surprise, surprise, who's yeah. on it. <laughs> Do you ever have people try to talk sense into you? Because um, that's nah. the worst thing I think people can do. Like, yeah. you know, like I was saying, like like friends of ours and they're talking to me about the mountains. I was like, that's the worst thing you can do. It's like, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's because you're making me question everything, making me question myself. It's like, you don't try talk me out of it. You just give me pointers of how I'm going to succeed to do it. Because I've already made up my mind I'm going to do it. Yeah, I've definitely had... I've had a wave growing up. So when I was younger and I started surfing, like, Kayama, it was like, oh, yeah, he's done that once. He won't do it again. And then I'd do it again. And it's like, oh, that's the last time. And it went through a cycle for a bit. And then I started broadening my horizons and chasing new waves. And then... You know, there's, there's, you're always going to have haters, but uh, I, I, I probably, I definitely have haters, I'm sure. But I, I feel like I've silenced that, and it's people don't talk me out of it. Like the first time I ever went to Chopes, I, I remember flying over and crawling up into a ball, like sitting on the floor, like wanting to vomit because like my anxiety and the nerves got to me, and I was just like, what am I doing? Like this is so out of my depth. But and, you're so scared of surfing the wave. Well. I kind of was, but I wasn't. Like, I was, I dreamt of surfing that way for so long, but all the people, this is where I say hang out with like-minded or uplifting people. Like, I, not that I wasn't hanging around those people, but I guess this was in the early days where I was still, you know, I was known in the East Coast to be a crazy person, but globally it's like, you know, for you, you're probably a chopes is the craziest wave ever. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it it's a different level, and people are like you're not at that level, and they kind of talk down, but not not in a bad way. Like that's just yeah. them looking out for me, and I feel like as time's gone on, I've silenced that, and yeah. um, yeah, I don't I don't feel I get that 
yeah, that, that, oh, you can't do this, you can't do this. Now it's more like, oh, like, I'm going to go, if I, not that I voice it to anyone, but the odd occasion that someone might be around, I might say something they don't even question. It's not even like, oh, you sure you're going to do that? It's just like, yeah, you'll probably go do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like silence of doubters. <laughs> I remember someone saying to me, it'd be the same with you, it's just like, um, you just have confidence within yourself. Yeah. And that, but off, that builds like, it, up yeah. over time, you know. Definitely where I'm at now and where I was five years ago is a completely different person. Yeah. So do you reckon, well, I, like I know the answer is yes, but it's like there's depth there. Like, So do you reckon you would have grown from all these experiences and from all these wipeouts and like from pushing yourself in such big waves? Like is it just... Like, to become, you so much? You know, to become good at something, what is it? To be good at something, you've got to spend 10,000 hours doing it. Is that, that the saying? You know, have you heard that saying? Well, that's why I'm jack of all trades and master of none. <laughs> you and I both. <laughs> oh, that short attention span. Can you see me doing anything for 10,000 hours? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. That's why I'll get wiped out. You don't have to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> you just go through the motions. <laughs> I'll be way too bored doing some of the 10,000 hours. Do you have to do it straight? <laughs> <laughs> See us in a few months, boys. I'm going to go get good at something. <laughs> We're just doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, Mike, what was the question? <laughs> Do you have you grown? Yeah, oh, definitely. And I think it's time, just spend time doing whatever you love or whatever whatever you're passionate about. The more time and the more effort you do, you, you learn and you grow. And you know, something that I've, one thing that I've learned, whatever you're passionate about when you're doing it, it doesn't, this is the podcast, like, or just like, actually anything I do on like my travels, it's like once I'm passionate about it and I'm doing it because I'm doing it for myself, I don't, it doesn't, literally does not matter anyone else's opinion. No. It fucking has gone way out the door. It's just like, You're there if anything, you. it makes me giggle if like someone has like a negative take because I'm like, oh, that's that person's Or it, dri- it drives or you more. Well, just like, it just doesn't matter because I'm like, oh, well now I'm just like, oh, that's their opinion. I'm doing this because I'm having a great time and I like doing this. Yeah. And I'm going to allow myself to be me. And that, I think that's, that's, yeah, I guess growing up I had, I had that negative cloud of people like, oh, you won't do this, you won't do this. And you know why I kept doing it? Because I didn't care what they had to say. Mm. It's like, yeah, that's your opinion on me. Like, good on you. But you don't know me from a bar. So like, yeah. I'm doing this for me. I'm not doing it to prove you wrong. But if you yeah. want to fuel my fire, like, be my guest yeah like i think to do what i do you have to have a bit of mongrel in you and i feel like that i'm saying that for everyone that's a big wave surfer or you know an adrenaline junkie you have got that mongrel in you yeah and it's just either you visually say it like you visually show it like you said you were slapping yourself and amping yourself up or some people will be there and you wouldn't even know they're scared or you wouldn't even know they're in that zone and like you're watching them do things and it's just like wow how do they do that and it's like if you're in their head at that time yeah probably understand why they're doing it but i was telling you that day in mexico it was huge and i was shitting myself i was probably yeah i was just leaf and i and dane out and 
yeah, I was paddling for the horizon every set that came, and I was, would have been probably screaming like a girl, I don't know. <laughs> but, like, I was voicing that I was scared because that's how I was dealing with it, you know. I was sucking myself up. I was out there, and I was doing it. Yeah, yeah. And Leaf, one of my best mates, is sitting out 30 metres out behind, waiting for the bombs, waiting for the 15-footers that were these big black barrels, and I was just watching him quiet, just by himself out there all day, just like, how is he not scared? And then that night we came in and we we're having a couple of beers and I said to him, Yo, I don't, you're nuts, man. I don't understand how you how weren't you scared yeah. out there. And he goes, what are you talking about? I was shitting myself. I was like, no, you weren't. You're just sitting out there like just hanging out, like just going the big ones. He's like, I was fucking packing myself the whole time. Yeah. And like I just, you know, but it's just how he, you know, he was just, that's just how he, he does it. Yeah, that's how he copes with it. I think, yeah. The more I get put in those situations now, like I, I feel like it's ignorance is bliss in a sense. But yeah. I've been put in that situation so often now that it's just another day in the office kind of thing. Yeah. There, there will be a day, I think, somewhere like the right, like it's yeah, I don't know. Have the you right prepared yourself? Like, Do you like the of how? I don't even want to ask this question because it's, it's all touch wood again. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone touch wood. <laughs> Okay, have you prepared yourself mentally for because of how much you risk when you do this that one day you might severely hurt yourself? Oh, yeah, like I said, like if to do what I do and to put myself in the situations that I I feel I can put myself in, you can't be scared to die and like I said it's inevitable. If I I feel like if I wasn't to push my limits and do what I do, I'd live in regret. It's all touch wood again. I'm <laughs> <laughs> touch wood. You know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah. and I and I don't want to left I don't want to leave this life I'm living with a stone unturned. Like yeah, no stone true, unturned, yeah. you know what I mean? Like if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Is yeah. that what I believe? And mum says the same thing, you know. Yeah. It's like Oh man, I it's the same thing too. It's like I yeah, it's like, I don't know. Well, it's not really. If you, I just, when shit happens, that's my optimistic outlook on it. It's like literally like everything happens for a reason. Do you want to know the Chinese farmer story? <laughs> Hit me. Okay, the Chinese farmer. Like, oh, fuck, I love telling this story. <laughs> okay, the Chinese farmer, he's got this prized horse, all right? And one day his prized horse escapes and runs away. And the all the neighbours come around and they're like to give their blessings. They're like, Oh, I'm so sorry about your misfortune, you know, your prized horse has run away. And Chinese farmer, you know, looks at him, not much emotion, is just like, Yeah, yes, I suppose, maybe, you know. You know, next day the prized horse returns. But it returns with a pack of wild horses and the farmer Brings them all into his fence and, you know, gates them off. And all the neighbours come around they're like, whoa, you're so, you're so happy for your fortune. Look at everything. You, you've, got, you've got all these prized horses. And, and the farmer says, mm, yeah, I don't know, maybe. And the next day, the farmer's son is out training one of the wild horses and gets bucked off and hits the, hits the deck and, and breaks his leg. 
and then now he's bedridden and and, and then all the neighbors come around to give their blessings you know for him to get better and and they say um to the farmer you know oh we're so sorry about your misfortune and again the farmer no not much emotion looks i don't know maybe the next day the army comes around because china's going off to war and they're inscripting all the young kids to go off and die at war and they come in to to take him away and they look at him and he's bedridden with a broken leg with a broken leg and they're like oh he's no good for war and they they leave and again all the neighbors come around like oh you're so lucky for your fortune your son doesn't have to go off and die and again, the farmer's like, you know, you have to go off and die at war. And again, the farmer's like, well, I don't know, yeah, maybe. And the whole the the point for that story of me is that everything happens for a reason. Whatever happens is all for the good. Mm. It's always for the good, whether if it's shit at the time or not. It's like it's all for the good. You've got to find the positive out of that. Yeah, and it's like sometimes, oh fuck, I had this day the other day. Where I was trying to get down the beach um, to go for an afternoon surf, and every all this stuff happened that prevented me from getting to the ocean for about an hour i got lost down in this track i got all this stuff on on the motorbike it just and i finally got down the beach and i was so frustrated i was like what the fuck and then i paddled out and there was fish everywhere it stunk like fish and everything (laughs) but but just even trying to get out to this everything happened and then um i was i got one wave and like i hurt myself or something and then i remember thinking like i shouldn't be out here and I was like, no, 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 just paddle back out, paddle back out. I paddle back out. Next thing, boom, a big um, bust up of um, some long-tailed tuna on some tailor. And then a fucking big shark just busted it up with it. And it was like right next to me. And not that it was – but after that, I was just like, all right, just go in. And I just went in. And I was just like, well, like, I wonder what it was stopping me from doing. You know, whether if it's the universe or not, it's just like so many uncanny things just happened – just stop me from trying to do what I was doing, and I'm like, maybe it's it happened for, a good for the reason. for the good, like something. Yeah, yeah I was like, oh, well, this is just what's happening, and so that's just like now when shit happens too, I'm just like, oh, this is just what's happening now. You just, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's sometimes it's a negative, but you've got to find the positive, or it's well, a, yeah, it's always a self. You know, you got to self build, like build yeah. off that. Well, I get a bit spiritual in that sense, where I'm just like, everything happens for a reason. Everything's always there to teach me. Yeah. Whether if you want to be spiritual about it or not, when you look at things like that, you're extremely optimistic and you get lessons out of things, you know, because you're able to take your ego out of it. Or just It's just separate yourself from a bit and look at it from the outside and be like, uh, this situation sucks. What is it teaching me? Like, what are the lessons in this? You know what I mean? Like, And, mm. and I, I find that that's a massive growing tool for me. You know, I go a bit deeper with it and, and be like, oh, it happened for a reason, you know which I mm. suppose is a, a spiritual thing, but that's my own thing. But you can be practical and, and fuck that off and just be like, <laughs> oh, something just happened. All right, well, I can get, I can learn from this or I can just sit here and be sour and be a dickhead. <laughs> be fuck a Ralph. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> yeah. All right, man, let's get out of here. Um, oh, I already said goodbye. I'll just cut that in and put it and cut it and paste it. <laughs> <laughs> Copy, paste, cut. You. <laughs> All right, now you can just let it roll. Let it roll? Now you can just let it roll. Uh, Isn't it done? Just last time when you had a rolling, I mean, you didn't have a rolling and you finished it, there was like so many funny things that came out. Oh, just, okay, okay. so just let it roll. Well, now I'm like, feel like I'm on the spot now, I've got to say something. (laughs) You got anyone got a joke? No, you just got to copy and paste. Oh, I've got a joke. Do you want to know a joke? Okay. Here's a joke. (laughs) 
Oh, did I, have I told you the Indian joke about the Indians? Mate. Okay. Did they put it in India? There's this Indian chief. There's this Indian chief, right? And the, and, and the villages. There's this Indian village, right? And winter's coming on. So all the, the chief comes... Have you heard this joke? The chief comes and addresses the villages. And he's like, winter's coming on. Today, I want the men to go out and collect firewood for winter. So, so they go out that day and they collect the firewood and they come back in. They put in this big pile and they come and say, Chief, is this enough firewood? And he sits back and he goes, hmm, let me ponder. And he goes inside his yurt next to the fire, looks around, no one's around. Just gets on the mobile phone, calls the weather bureau. Yeah, how you going, guys? Um, yeah, just wondering about the weather report this winter. And they're like, oh, yeah, let's... Yeah, the report for this winter looks like it's going to be a normal winter. So the next morning, Chief comes out of his hut and, and the village is like, oh, Chief, how much more firewood do we need? He's like, oh, yeah, just, it's going to be a normal winter. Just collect another day of firewood, you know, it'll be a normal winter. So they're off they go and they collect another firewood that afternoon. Is this enough firewood? Chief's like, oh, let me ponder. Goes back in and no one's around. Gets them on the mobile phone, calls the weather bureau. Yeah, what's the weather going to be like this winter? Again, oh, it's actually it's going to be a little bit colder than we first thought, but, you know, like, we're constantly updating it, so give us a call back and, and we'll, we'll let you know. But it's going to be a bit, bit colder than what we th- first thought. So the chief goes out the next morning and the villagers are there and he says, oh, it's actually going to be a pretty cold winter coming this winter. We need you to go out and collect more firewood. So off they go that afternoon. They come back in they say, oh, is this enough firewood, Chief? And he's like, oh, let me ponder, you know, let me... <laughs> so he goes back in, no one's around, calls the weather bureau. Hey, yeah, just looking for the weather report this winter. They're like, actually, this is going to be a pretty bad winter. It's going to be really bad. Like, yeah, we weren't expecting it. It's going to be like one of the worst we've seen. He's like, oh, shit, all right. So he goes out and dresses his, his village the next morning, says, I need women... We need women and children, all the men. We need to go out further into the forest we've ever been before. We need to collect as much firewood as we can. It's going to be a pretty bad winter this winter. So off the whole village goes and they go collect this massive pile of firewood and they all bring it back and they, this massive pile and they're like, Chief, is this enough? And he's like, oh, let me ponder. He goes in and he calls the weather bureau. Hey, what's the weather report this winter? They said, oh, this is going to be the worst winter ever on record it's gonna be crazy like you know like get your supplies up it's good you know and um the chief's like oh this is yeah just okay all right we better do that but just out of curiosity how do you guys know he's like oh the indians have been collecting firewood like crazy I was like, where is this going? Like, when does this end? I love that joke because it just drags on. Yeah. Stoked that you came down. Um, thanks for having and, me. And, and Speared, man, you're always welcome here. And um, and thanks for teaching me how to grab craze. <laughs> and we're going to go spearing in the morning. Hopefully, we get some more juice. A couple of dewy, bro. And, and thanks for feeding my fruit trees because you've been catching so many big dews <laughs> that I've been able to um, dig holes and plant fruit trees. Man. So. <laughs> Thanks so much, man, and keep charging and and um, yeah, just keep pushing those limits because it's amazing what you're doing. And I'm hoping that a, a massive sponsor. I know you don't chase it, but I'm just hoping that's. I don't even know if you need it because you're going to do it regardless. But I'm just 
it's just it's good to see you getting the recognition that you deserve. And I, I I've been watching you get that, and it's just amazing. And I'm just I'm just I'd be so sick to see like some fuck. I wouldn't couldn't even be a bodyboarding. Let's get Red Bull. <laughs> get Red Bull if you're listening the CEO of Red Bull I'll put your wings <laughs> to your test <laughs> <laughs> oh god man yeah thanks thanks for coming down nah, thank you alright see you guys wow what an episode now if you guys like this episode please feel free to share it because I want to get Shane as much coverage as possible. If you liked it, take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram story, tell your friends about it. Let's get this one out there. Now, I've just learned how to to do this and this is actually how Diaries of the Wild Ones gets its coverage. If you guys listen to it through iTunes, you can go to the show, Diaries of the Wild Ones, and you can scroll down the bottom. It has ratings and reviews. Click the star rating, whatever you want, leave a review. What that does, it puts an algorithm in and it actually markets the podcast for me and I don't have to do shit. But if you can please do that for me, that would help get this episode out. Whatever other app you use, there's probably a way to rate it. Um, If you can please do that for me, that would be a huge, a huge favor to me because I really want to get Shane some coverage on this one. Thanks so much, guys. I'll see you next time. Do it like a double.